Gentlemen, you are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. My name is Charlie Ungemach, and I am the founder and curator of the Gird Up Podcast. Man, I love doing this. This is my this is my hobby. This is my my dream child here. Uh, the ability to share uh, my own journey toward Christian manhood, my own growth, uh, and my own learning with you is a tremendous tremendous blessing. Um, and it's a huge blessing also to be able to walk alongside other men of God who are actively pursuing a relationship with their heavenly Father and who are actively pursuing a lifestyle that reflects the way God wants us to live. Uh, like David, who was a man after God's own heart, like Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. If you're on that path, if you want to walk that path with us, you're in the right place, gentlemen. And I hope that this resource is a blessing to you. Today's episode of the Gird Up Podcast is sponsored by the Iron Men of God Conference. Now, the Iron Men of God Conference takes place um, on Saturday, March 21st, 2020, at St. Paul's Lutheran School in Exonia, Wisconsin. Christian men. We face many challenges in our incredibly post-Christian world. One of the most important challenges Christian men face is defining what it means to be a Christian man living in this world. Iron Men of God, formed in 2014 by a group of laymen from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Exonia, Wisconsin, works to address this challenge through the Iron Men of God Men's Conference. Each year, Iron Men of God's Men's Conference speakers help attendees sharpen and strengthen their faith by using God's Word to clearly define our roles as husbands, fathers, sons, leaders in our families, churches, and communities. At Iron Men of God, you'll also be encouraged in your faith by our fellow brothers in Christ. Join us for our conference this year and be strengthened and encouraged in your faith as well. The speakers at this particular conference are Pastor Ben Sadler from Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin, Pastor Mark Parsons, who you'll hear from next week on this podcast, this interview show he'll be on. Um, he's from Faith Lutheran Church in Fond du Lac. He's also the leader of the Bread for Beggars Ministry. And Pastor Greg Lyon from Wisconsin Lutheran College and yours truly, uh, Charlie Ungemach, I will be there as well, um, talking about all kinds of things that have to do with Christian manhood. Proverbs 27, verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I hope that we'll see you at the Iron Men of God conference on Saturday, March 21st in Exonia, Wisconsin, so that we might continue to sharpen each other. If you want to learn more about the Iron Men of God conference, go to ironmenofgodwi.org. Again, that's ironmenofgodwi.org. Register today and make sure, make sure you tell them that Charlie sent you. This podcast is also sponsored by... The Christ for Disciples podcast. Five days a week, Dr. Paul Steinberg applies God's word to raising the next generation in the Lord. Take 10 minutes each weekday to listen to the Christ for Disciples podcast and get direction and gospel power to disciple the youngest generation. Subscribe to the Christ for Disciples podcast at ChristForDisciples.com or on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else. That's ChristForDisciples.com. Now, this is on my list of daily listens. I enjoy it um, pretty much daily on the way to school. If I don't get it every day, then I'll listen to two episodes the next day to make sure I'm all caught up and I'm always hearing what Pastor Steinberg has to say. It's a wonderful resource. Uh, it genuinely does help me uh, get myself in the right headspace for the day when I'm getting ready to work with kids. If you're a dad or if you work with kids, whether it's coaching or teaching or whatever it might be, it's a great resource um, and a great reminder every day of who we are and what our purpose is here on the earth. Now, this uh, episode today is an interview with two gentlemen I love and respect greatly. Um, Jeremiah Wallander, who's been on the show before, uh, about a year ago, but maybe 18 months ago, he was talking about um, before he got married, um, he was talking about getting ready for for uh, the wedding day and getting ready to marry his wonderful wife, Kelly. He talked about all kinds of different things on, on those episodes. So if you, if you enjoy Jerry, uh, make sure you go back and, and listen to some of those episodes. And then we also have Eli Midtoon. 
I just learned how to pronounce that name correctly. You'll hear me <laughs> struggle with it a little bit uh, in the actual interview itself. Um, but wonderful guy from Camp Phillip. So these guys have some great connections, um, both through Camp Phillip and just in the world. They're wonderful, godly men. They're wonderful, godly guys, and they have great things to say. So I hope you enjoy today's episode of the Gird, pa- Gird Up Podcast with Jeremiah Wander and Eli Midton. Ah, Midton! You are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. To gird up is an ancient way of preparing oneself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and to live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers working hard to become the men that God created us to be. Now it's time to roll up your sleeves and let's get to work. We're hot. So we got two guys on the podcast today. Well, I guess three. Um, I am here, and we got Jeremiah J. Wall Wallander. What's up? Who is a familiar face, a familiar voice. He's been on the show before. Um, last time we were up at Camp Phillip in your office, which is pretty cool. That's right. But uh, a few updates to life since then. You want to tell us what you're doing now and where you're at? Well, I think it was it was like a year and a half ago was my first interview where we did all three of those episodes, and now I'm married. Because the last time I told you the story about me dating Kelly and me us getting together, us getting engaged, and now I am married to her, which is awesome. Lucky you. It's so great. I love being married. Awesome. And and so then on this side, we've got Eli Midthun, right? Midthun? Midtune. Midtune? Midtune. Common mispronunciation. Oh, jeez. For a second, I thought you were joking. No, no, yeah. You so are it's, serious? It's spelled M-I-D-T-H-U-N. <laughs> you need to just change the spelling. 90, 95% people? of people say Midthun. That's what um, everybody said when they clicked on this link. Was yeah. Mid-thun. Oh, 100%. 100%. Midtune. What's the, uh, what's the background for that name? What's um, the... Norwegian. Norwegian? Yes. Mm. Yes, right. Nor- I, I could. I'm. I could be mistaken, but I'm. I, I mean, am ninety five percent certain right. that you it's Norwegian. It's Norwegian. Yeah, Norwegian, German, and Russian is what I got in me. So, all right, sweet. Yeah, tell me. Tell us a little about about yourself. What are you doing right yeah. now? So right now, I'm up at Camp Phillip. I am the assistant program director, working under Matthew Bown. Um, I have been there since April of 2018, um, in that position, and then prior to that, I was on the salt staff there. I've been going there for. Uh, now officially over half my life, um, and it's just a very special place to me. Um, prior to 2017, I was going to UW-Madison. I uh, have a bachelor's in wildlife ecology. I'm hoping to continue to pursue education in that, and long-term, I hope to be um, working in nature someday. I hope to be uh, a wildlife biologist, either at a park system or in a university, um, doing something cool like that. I love nature, love animals, and love all of God's creation. Are you a hunter? I am a new hunter. A new hunter. Uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't start hunting until, actually, last year was my first year that I went out. 2018 was the first year uh, that I got out because I went to, or at Madison, I actually did this thing called um, Conservation Leaders for Tomorrow where they, they take uh, students from non-hunting families, teach them what, about hunting, about the conservation aspects of hunting, um, and all those sorts of things, and bring them out for uh, a mentored pheasant hunt uh, to like a, a range where you get to do a glorified hunter safety. So you get your hunter safety certification as well as some really really cool like tips and all those sorts of things. So it, it really brings people like me who are coming from non-hunting backgrounds. I grew up in Milwaukee uh, to a place where we are able to connect in new ways with the people that we'll hopefully be working with someday. Uh, 
which is primarily hunters. So if, if right. I would end up in the DNR, right. my, my entire life would be funded off of hunters. Yeah. And so, yeah. So you're the kind of guy that like refers to it as a harvest instead of a hunt. <laughs> uh, I, I, I wouldn't put it past myself to, to do it in just like <laughs> a second nature future. sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right, that was a poorly timed drink. That's all right. So um, you said you you said prior to then you were at UW Madison. Are you still at, in Madison or no? So now I I, fu- I live full time at camp. Um, this I graduated camp Phillip, right. Yep, at Camp Phillip. Uh, so up in Watoma, and so I I graduated from Madison in December of 2017. Um, and I, I loved my time in Madison. It was it was a, a great time in my life in terms of what I learned, what I, what I gained there. Um, and I use a lot of those things now in my job at camp. So cool. Yeah. So you said you're still in school. I'm hoping to go back. Oh, to hoping school. to go yeah, back. Yeah, going okay. through the grad school process right now of uh, taking the GRE and uh, reaching out to professors <laughs> blindly and saying, "Hey, I want to work under you. Can you give me money um, to work <laughs> yeah, under right. you and to give me a degree?" Yeah. Uh, so it's a fun process. There you go. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. So what? Uh, We've heard Jeremiah's camp stories before, mm-hmm. um, but uh, to, to go back to it, what what drew you to? Obviously, as a kid, you must have enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, so what what's the drawback then as an adult, and then to do it full time like yeah. you now? Um, so I remember as a camper, just being completely drawn in by the staff that was there, the wild, crazy staff. I think of uh, my first ever counselor. His name was Aaron Schultz. He's a pastor now. Um, and while I was a camper there, he was just the wildest, craziest dude. Um, and you, you wouldn't recognize him now if you, if you saw him compared to back then because he's, he, he's a pastor now and you, you don't see the camp counselor in him uh, <laughs> as much until you get him onto the Paul Ball court at camp, which is a, a massive, uh, you play basketball using an exercise ball. So when you get him back onto that, that Paul Ball court, then he's, he turns into a monster. Um, uh, but I remember him. I remember um, Jason Schlieff, uh, another huge role model for me at camp. Um, and not to mention Matthew Bowen and Joel Hansen, both all all of these these guys just showed me how great camp was with their energy, with their enthusiasm, um, and and uh, definitely another guy to mention would be Justin Heisey. Um, I remember mm-hmm. I was I was Justin Heisey's camper uh, when I was in eighth grade, and just the spiritual impact he had on me at that age um, that I I could attribute solely to him that the reason that I came to junior staff was because of how he interacted with me as his counselor and that that personal um, touch he had on my faith was extreme. Um, so with that being said, uh, that got me into junior staff. And while I was on junior staff, I, I connected with a bunch of different guys there, uh, whether it was Jeremiah and my, my later years on junior staff um, or a bunch of other guys as, as I was younger who just showed me what it meant to be a Christian leader, who meant what it meant to be taking uh, counseling in Camp Phillips seriously. Excuse me. Um, and then... I, I got onto Salt Staff um, back my fir- right before my first year of college, and then I, I would say I was almost reluctant to go back. I I, um, I didn't think that it was for me, and then I, I just kept getting pulled back uh, by by something. Uh, that something might be Matthew Bowne, uh, but that something <laughs> might also be uh, uh, God and God's call because. Um, I, sometimes I, yeah. God works through Matthew Bowne. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah, that, that's so true. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I, I got called back and, um, just absolutely fell in love with the ministry there. And I fully attribute, um, obviously the Holy Spirit, but also camp, uh, to, to what allowed my faith to become real. 
um, and for that to become a significant part of my life and what it meant to put my faith into practice and for my life to be a living example of my faith. Um, so that that's what has drawn me back to camp time and time again. And that's what now when I'm trying and kind of attempting to move on from camp is what's making the emotional side of that more difficult of I've seen what camp has done for me and I want that to continue to happen for other people. Uh, it makes it difficult to leave a place that means so much to you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm just curious why, what made you think maybe you shouldn't come back? I guess before yeah. like junior staff, you said you were kind of hesitant or reluctant to come back. What made you say it wasn't for you? Yeah. So um, I had a, I had a unique story at Camp Phillip. I just had uh, a first summer where I felt almost separated from the rest of the staff. Uh, myself, myself and my other friend, we, um, we didn't feel as connected with the rest of the staff there. We almost felt ostracized. Um, and so we, we didn't feel as welcome. Also, I personally just was not very good at it. I, the, the counseling I did fine and everything, but a huge part of camp is the servant attitude. Um, and I didn't, I didn't have that whole servant attitude. Um, I, to other people, I appeared very lazy and wasn't taking initiative to get projects done, wasn't joining in when projects were being done. Um, and so I had this this perception of me that I wasn't willing to put in the work and that I was lazy and wasn't a part of things. Um, and in reality, I, I probably did have some aspect of laziness, but in reality, I, I wasn't thinking, oh, these people need my help. I thought they're doing their own thing and they, they why would I need to be a part of it if they're doing their thing? Um, and so... I was not the best staff in and of that. And then I did not feel very welcome there. And so the the biggest things that changed were I spent uh, at, at Madison, Matthew would come down and we got to spend a fair amount of time together just hanging out and chatting. Um, and this is during my freshman year of college. So I'm still learning a lot at this time, but we, we spent a lot of time uh, and we talked about it and we talked about what what it would look like at camp if I was putting in those, the effort to do those sorts of things now that he had made me aware of what this perception of me was um, because that was another thing was that that wasn't put forward to me is I never was told all of those, that perception, that, that, that view of me that existed. And so I was completely unaware of it. Um, so when that was brought forward to me, I took it extremely seriously and wanted to say, Hey, no, I, I want to put in the work here. I want to be a part of this. Um, and so I, I, Matthew was able to convince me to, to give, give it another shot and see what I could do. Uh, and then I came back and just wanted one, one of the biggest things of the summer was I wanted to include, um, the younger staff and make them feel like they were a part of the staff. Cause that's something that I did not feel. Um, but then on top of that, I was just, I, I wanted to see what, what it would be like if I was putting everything into it. And it, it just changed my life. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you talk about like, uh, you talk about, uh, what do you call it? When you when boys are earning their uh, what do you call that rites of passage? Yeah. Talk about a rite oh, of yeah, passage. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. like a that's like a huge. What that's what you're describing is this mm-hmm. accidental rite of passage almost is what I hear. Yeah. But it's interesting that you say that because I, I think I experienced something similar, um, like at, at pro, kind of a similar mm-hmm. maybe a little bit younger, um, but uh, like really your first time when you're really seriously away from home, like not even yeah. coming home for the summer type thing where I don't think anybody ever said to me, like, you're kind of lazy. Right. Or maybe they did at some point. I don't know. But I can't remember that. Like, that mm-hmm. would be a moment you'd remember, you know? Oh, 100%. I can't remember that. But then all of a sudden, 
I just had this understanding of myself that I'm lazy mm-hmm. and I don't think I ever, like, I, I don't know. You've known me for a while, Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. Have I ever been lazy? Like, go ahead and speak the <laughs> truth here. Have I ever really been lazy? lazy? I, not that I have ever <laughs> seen you, but I've also thought of you as more of like the big brother. You know what I mean? So right, like, but you'd see that yeah. then if you're looking at me as a well, big brother. Well, like, I, I mean, I saw, I saw you as like the like, oh my gosh, he's a really intense big brother. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so right. I never saw the laziness right. part so of you, but I, I do have... not doubt you because we're all sinful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And I'll, uh, maybe... Uh, I, I honestly don't know where it came from, but mm-hmm. there was a big like psychological battle yeah. for me then to say like, cause then I would exhaust myself and just right. like sell out all the time on everything. And that's yeah. just as big of a problem as be- yeah. maybe a bigger problem than being lazy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's I mean, I had, so when I was at Madison, I, I didn't actually, I didn't have that problem at all because I was, I was doing my own things. I was, I was goal oriented in and of myself. And that was a huge thing. I, I like to set goals for myself. Um, and so it was just like this, this external thing that was at camp people, I, I didn't put out work for people to see, but when I was doing my own thing when I'm at Madison, I was extremely busy. And so I, like you said, when you were getting extremely exhausted, that's, I was doing that to myself when I was at Madison, I was, I was completely overexerting myself. I was working 30 hours a week doing 18 credits in a semester and just, and, and you're filling up with a bunch of other things. Um, and so when you're, when you're sweating with all of these, these roles and responsibilities and jobs and school and relationships, um, that, that was actually one of the reasons that I went to camp because after I graduated was because I, I thought, Eli, you're exerting yourself too much and you need to learn how to take it easy, um, and how to have free time because that's not something that I experienced. I, I remember at Madison, my senior year thinking like, I have to schedule when I'm going to get groceries and like down to the half an hour, down to the the 15 minutes so that I can make it over to my lab because I have like, let's say 2000 pictures of a camera trap study to go through. And then I have to do, I did this thing called isotope analysis, stable isotope analysis, where I, uh, they, they look at the isotopes within hair of different animals or feathers or whatever you can do like dung or whatever. Um, and then you can figure out what they've been eating, uh, the environments that they've been living in. And so I would to do I would do like a hundred vials of that, and that takes of hours. And so I'm filling my schedule up with a bunch of these things. That my t- schedule is so tight that I was just doing so many things that I have no idea how I was able to fit everything in. On not to mention homework and relationships. Um, and so I, I made that conscious decision of I need to know how to manage my time so much that I can have that busy schedule if I want it, but also I need to know how to manage my free time. And so I want to give myself as much free time as possible so that when I have it, I'm not going to be wasting it. Um, I, I can't remember what man said it throughout uh, history, but there, there's, a, there's, a specific, there's a specific quote about, about essentially knowing how to use your spare time. And like uh, along the lines of um, a man shouldn't ever be bored. Uh, and so they, you need to know how to use your time. And so if you're, if you have so much free time that you're not doing anything with it, you should be filling it with something productive or, or if, if you're not doing it with something productive to fill it with something that you enjoy, um, don't just sit around and, and wait for something to come to you. If you're not finding anything, learn something new or pick up a book or start reading. Um, if you, yeah, just something. And so time time management has been like a, a journey in and of itself and i guess that kind of started right, back yeah. with camp when i got pushed into this like 
not that having that perception of your work be the motivation, but it's okay to let other people see that you're doing work. But you, there, I mean, there's a balance with everything. And so, right. yeah. Well, I think, and then headed into your new position at camp where you're kind of not always running the show, but you're kind of mm-hmm. hands-on and, 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 and I don't know, what, what would you, management almost, you know? No, whatever, uh, whatever. Well, what's facilitation. First, what, okay, facilitation. But you've got to be the guy with the answers, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I can imagine that gets pretty intense. Then, like when you're going through the summer, as you know, things start. You right, know, right. Like when you've got hundreds of kids at camp, I can imagine. Yeah. So I guess intense. to to balance out with what I was saying, of I went to camp to give me free time. Uh, when summer hits, then that that free time doesn't exist. Uh, so then I'm working constantly throughout the week and any time that I have to myself I have to be ready for if I get a phone call or a message or a text from Matthew to say this needs to be done then I'm, I'm understanding that okay my time is camp's time now um, and so all my time during the summer is devoted to camp um, and any time that I get to myself is great but oh, I'm, cool. I'm willing to give everything to camp um, so yeah the there's a lot that needs to be done in the summer and so it's <laughs> it's a fun workload at the yeah but it, it can be a lot sometimes yeah well and then you're kind of on the opposite side of things like I, I honestly when I think about the idea of becoming a pastor which is something I have considered more often than not and a little bit more and anyway that's a different conversation when oh, I wow. consider it that's a very different conversation we don't want to go there right now but the uh I'm about to get like Hundreds of emails talking about this. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to just oh, shut down my email oh, account. Man. Shouldn't have said that. Hot right. takes. Yeah. Here we go. You can just cut that out. <laughs> so, let's be real. I don't edit these. Yeah, things. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I'll edit it if you tell me to, and then nobody ever tells me to, so I'm like, all right, intro. Here we roll. go. <laughs> anyway, so I can't imagine. So I, I, I personally witnessed a lot of guys go through the pre-seminary program Mm-hmm. Where they just get cut down by languages, or they somehow thrive, and those people are just inhuman. Um, but <laughs> are you one of those guys? I I mean, I made it through. I got okay, the degree. Got <laughs> that makes you Superman. So um, the <laughs> I can't imagine being like your first year of marriage and your first year at the seminary, and you know having like not even living in the same city as the seminary and all that Mm -hmm. um i can imagine you run start to run into that a little bit too yeah so i mean i guess for the people who don't know right now because it's been a year and a half since i've been on this so i live with my wife at luther preparatory school you live with your wife yeah yeah i do (laughs) we don't see each other very often but i do live with her and uh, at Luther Preparatory School, I live there with my wife and our 200 girls in the <laughs> in the odds. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, it's it, I, I love it. So my wife is a tutor at Luther Prep um, and it's so her. If you know Kelly by any means, like teaching and counseling is like that's like I, I don't even want her to do another job because I feel like no other job is going to be her. So, um, yeah, I live at Luther Prep. I live in a girl's dorm. I know a lot of the girls by name. Not all of them yet, but we're getting there. And it's really fun there. But, yeah, so I have a 50-minute commute to SEM every single day in Mequon where I listen to a lot of podcasts, including this one. But, yeah, so um, made it through the pre-seminary program, just graduated this past May, and now am at Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. And what we were just talking about this beforehand is that I was saying how the languages I felt like were harder at MLC 
than they are now. But then you had a really good insight, which was (laughs) (laughs) I know that was well done. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So yeah, Uh, my my I would assume that um, the goal would be by the time you get to seminary that you're no longer learning the languages so much as um, like studying the language and studying the the text that you're meant to be studying. Um, And then like even when you think about the idea of being fluent in a foreign language. like the first two weeks of Spanish one are intense and intimidating and awful and scary, but you probably are actually learning more words per day. Mm-hmm. Like when you go to Madrid as a, you know, as a now a fluent in quotation marks, Spanish speaker, like as a college student, you go to Madrid and you speak Spanish all day long. You're probably going to learn more words in that environment per day. Like you're, yeah. but it's far less stressful and intimidating because you're like, Oh, wait, what is that word? Like, what, what do you mean? I don't speak your language. And then you learn it and you just go on with life as opposed to like the first time Senora Gum says, conjugate this verb. And you're like, I don't even know what conjugate is. <laughs> you know, like, I, what are you yeah. talking about? You know, so um, like I can imagine something similar happens at the seminary where like, you know, the, when you're, is it the book of John that you first do Greek in? Yeah, yes. Yeah. So you, like when you're first like trying, you can read it in English and you're like, I know what this says and I just can't understand the Greek. Mm-hmm. Right? And then mm-hmm. you said you're taking a test on Philippians yeah, this week. Yes. Also Greek, I can imagine that um, the stressful part of studying Philippians probably wasn't the Greek part. It was probably the Philippians part at right. this point. Right, right, yeah. Like, so you're like, you're becoming, I don't know, not a native speaker of a dead language, but you know, just... <laughs> Like growing and oh yeah, that's I mean that's for sure <laughs> yeah because my uh, my third year at MLC was like you said translating the Gospel of John and that was me looking up every single word besides <laughs> like Jesus and Christ and John you know like that was all it was but now at seminary um, I have a test tomorrow on the prison epistles so when I look at Philippians I mean I have to look up words here and there and I mean. You know, that's true for a lot of guys. It's rare that guys don't have to do that. But I do see very much an improvement in my Greek where I can read a lot more Greek without looking in a dictionary. Oftentimes I do still have to look up a dictionary, but not every single word like it is, <laughs> like like it was back in college. Are you, so, yeah. so you're not going to be one of those pastors who's like just translating things for fun before his sermon on Sunday? No. That's enough. <laughs> you hesitated. That's I, enough. I, I, I have a feeling I'm going to have a lot of people to help, so <laughs> I won't Ooh. have time either. Ooh, that's an indictment right there. <laughs> so, um, you guys are uh, both Camp Phillip guys who've worked oh, a significant yeah. amount of time together. Yeah. Were you ever campers oh, yeah. together? Not, not no. that we so know of. How, not that we know of. Are you? You're what, like 25? 23 whoa i'm i'm okay yeah great above jeremiah okay but Uh, you're only you're only you're only like five months older but only like five months because i'm on the i'm on the younger end of my own grade Mm -hmm. so were you a a camp philip kid for years beforehand i started going in fifth grade fifth grade was my first year so i was a camper for four years and so I, i remember going like through junior staff and all of that i was always surrounded by people who I felt like the new kid on the block because there was always so many junior staff who were there from their peewee days or from when they were in their, their mother's stomach. Um, Their mother's stomach. And there might be kids watching this show. Uh, so, they watch podcasts. Um, <laughs> but um, 
The last that- episode was all about male sexuality, so <laughs> so excited. There might, be, there might be some children watching in. Yeah, so excited. Watch this podcast, man. It's gonna on be their, great on their tube televisions. That's right. Um, anyway, so <laughs> I felt like the new kid on the block because there were so many uh, uh, lifers, lifers around uh, camp, and so um, it was a weird transition of me to always. Because it comes up every now and then of the how long have you been coming to camp. It was a weird transition for me to become, um, oh, I, I guess I'm one of the older people around here. I guess I'm, I've am i been around a little bit longer. And it was even weirder because I never thought that I would be um, – I, I never thought that I would have done four years on SALT staff, nonetheless become one of the year-round staff. Um, and now it's I, – I go to any given Wells area grade school and have three or four kids telling me that they knew me from Camp Phillip and they knew me when my hair was – down to my chest and like all such beautiful hair oh yeah oh, oh yeah I had, I had long did you never know that long curls i, I mean i i say so you talk about being a camp full of newbie oh <laughs> yeah. yeah i suppose yeah. <laughs> you walk in at 27 you go these guys all know each other right yeah. so so like it's common knowledge around camp that eli had had long long hair for a like long super time. long yeah hair. it was awesome yeah and um and then cut it off during a campfire one night. We did like a Samson Delilah sketch with my great friend, Bethany Walchmitt. I was the narrator for that. You were. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, and so cut it off. There was definitely tears from campers uh, oh, about geez. my hair being cut. Oh, you would be amazed at what their oh, no, campers okay. can cry about. Sorry. It was so flippant. Okay. I, I love I all of the campers it. there. So if they ever listen to this <laughs> someday, I love all of them. But it is, it is pretty shocking to what they can cry about. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a segue here, or to take a tangent, and who knows where we'll end up. But the uh, two years ago, on April Fool's Day, I had a beard bigger than it is right now. It's the only mm. time I've ever had a beard that was really actually like longer and bigger and thicker than it is now. I did not touch it from Thanksgiving through... April Fool's Day, like didn't didn't trim it, didn't cut it, didn't nothing. Like my mustache was like interfering with my <laughs> flavor saver, you know. Like it was bad. It was the crazy must. It was ah, okay. Anyway, so the kids hadn't seen me without none of these kids had ever seen me mm-hmm. without facial hair, um, and um, they definitely hadn't seen me with short facial hair for like months, right? Mm-hmm. And, and even when I had trimmed it, it wasn't cut off, and so I just. On April Fool's Day, shaved everything off except for this like great creeper mustache. Lovely. And it was like a walrus type mustache <laughs> going on. And just came into the classroom. And with the exception of like two boys, they legitimately thought they had a substitute teacher. They legitimately <laughs> oh thought my I was a different person. <laughs> and one of my favorite pictures, I accidentally deleted it and it's gone. It's just disappeared from history. But one of my favorite pictures was three little girls. Standing in a doorway, and I like they were looking at me, and none of them would talk to me, and they're just staring at me. One of them's crying, one of them's giggling uncontrollably, and one of them just looked so incredibly confused. She just had no idea what was going on. And dude, it's like a nuanced like version of this. Wailing no evil, see and no evil. crying, and just like just losing their minds because they like. <laughs> They recognize your voice, but not your mm-hmm. face and all that. Oh, man. It was hilarious and also, like, haunting at the same time. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure if I want to do it again because yeah. I don't want to experience that range of emotions from kids. Like, <laughs> Was that at your current school that you're at yeah. now? That's yeah, funny. My, my first year there. No, so I guess it was three years ago. Gotcha. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. Oh, that was the class. <laughs> I can't tell that story. Never mind. <laughs> 
<laughs> nice. So, <laughs> <never mind. laughs> that was an interesting group of kids. That was an interesting group of kids. Nice. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. So long hair, huh? Yeah. Kind of a wild man. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't even remember how I, why I started it, but I just, just it started to grow one day, and then people asked when I was going to cut it, and then I just kept saying more and more like i don't know i don't know and then eventually i could tie it back into this little little tiny not ponytail thing and then just kept going i found out that my hair was curly i didn't know that my hair was curly until then um because a while in high school i had like the bieber haircut um got got a lot of ridicule for that but like i thought it looked great so like why not (laughs) i mean it was cool in like 2012 exactly it was great um (laughs) Back when skinny jeans weren't even cool, I had the Bieber haircut, um, and yeah, the uh, just kept growing it. Once I was in, I was like my sophomore year of college, and then just kept going, and growing, and growing, and growing. And yeah, I I liked One having day you long look hair. You look in the mirror and you go, oh no, <laughs> what have I done? I mean, I, it was I liked it, and I, I the hair my hair was really curly. It had really nice curls, mm-hmm. and I I got so many compliments from probably like. 50 to no, 60 you year rocked old it. women. You, you rocked <laughs> it. You rocked they, it. They loved my hair. They were probably the primary. My, my mom to this day will tell Eli, I miss your man bun. Yeah. <laughs> Eli, <laughs> I miss your man bun. I bet, I bet your mom has, has beautiful hair. I'm sure she does. Yeah, she yeah she has. I mean, she has really curly hair. Right. Yeah. She mm-hmm. always wears it short is what I was trying to say. Right. Oh, yeah. I, I've never. I've never seen my mom with long hair ever. Yeah. I don't know what it looks like. Yeah. Not even in a photo mm. either. Really? Yeah, never. I don't know. Mrs. Wallander, we want you to grow out your hair. Will you get behind this? Oh, absolutely. All right, Eli and Charlie for sure <laughs> want you to grow out your hair, Just Laura Wallander. But I guarantee this is a response. It's going to be so great. It's going to be great. <laughs> Overall, okay. I just want her to it's be okay. happy because she is an amazing woman. She's and I have uh, so much respect incredible. for both of Jeremiah's parents. Uh, oh, for sure. Jeremiah has an amazing family. Yeah, I agree with that. I Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, you gonna take credit for that? No, I'm I'm the runt How of the I'm the you? runt of the <laughs> litter. Wonderful people. Where have, did you come from? I have two <laughs> phenomenal parents, and then I have two older brothers, Malachi and Isaac. Who Malachi, phenomenal. I have two wonderful <laughs> parents, and I got. Yeah, no, no, I, that's, not what I, mean. that's not what I was doing. Mean, here's what yeah, this is what I was gonna say. I have two amazing parents. Anyone, anyone who knows my parents, know they rock. I even remember being in fifth grade. I was on a bike ride, on a church mm-hmm. bike ride, and his name is Steve Schultz. And it was just him and me were riding together. We were way ahead of everyone because I was, this you know, important. you know, just to and, let everybody know yeah. I was faster. I was, I was well because I was in fifth grade. You know, I wanted to be better. And, and everybody so, is better so, than everybody so else in fifth grade. So we're, we're, we're riding, and he, he talked to me, and he said, you know how good you have your parents? Or, it was, or you know how good of parents you have? And I was like, yeah, I, I mean, I was 11 years old. What was I? I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, I have good parents. It wasn't until I got older when I realized how awesome my parents really were. And, like, whenever my friends come over and they mm-hmm. compliment my parents and talk about how great of parents I have. And I'm, you know, I'll always yeah. thank God for my parents. You know, I have two amazing parents, Dan and Laura. Malachi is, like, the hardest worker I've ever met in my le- life. He works harder than anyone else because and he, he works so hard to a fault, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, he, he, needs to, he needs to give himself a break. He's a firefighter <laughs> in Jacksonville, Florida. Isaac is one of the smartest people I've ever met in my entire life. He, he knows anything and everything and he, he you know, he's he's also extremely hard working and he's a filmmaker in dallas and then there's me you know i'm just the run, i'm the run to <laughs> i talk a lot you know? Dude, <laughs> so, well, yeah. you, you talk about I, isaac and isaac is one of those really unique guys who's like 
100% man, but he also has this incredible tenderness that very few He's men, got a soft spot, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. Very, mm. tenderness that very few men. I think that there's a lot of men that could be there. There's very few men that are comfortable enough to really like explore it and live in that, mm-hmm. and he owns it, and mm-hmm. it's awesome. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I can honestly say there were, particularly in my teenage years, there were several times where my parents were saying things to me and telling me things, and I wouldn't listen to them. And then, like, your parents said at one time, I was like, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah. I think you're right. And then I went home and was like, yeah. the Wallanders told me this, and now I'm going to change things. My parents are probably going like, really? We, yeah, we say this for years. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I guess I like is that have something to do with my parents raised only boys and <laughs> maybe yeah. I, don't, yeah. Yeah, I don't know man <laughs> they did a great job well thank you job. yeah I yeah. don't know what they would have done with girls but <laughs> <laughs> probably they probably would have just been tomboys we always joke about how if my dad had girls oh there's no that she would be so entitled and so <laughs> spoiled It'd be horrible It'd be absolutely horrible she'd be the worst person ever so what what is it about your parents that makes them so great First of all, my parents have incredible faith. I have never met people who trust God so much in every aspect. And I think part of it was was my dad. My dad grew up Catholic, and um, he actually grew up in a household where uh, Catholicism was, I mean, I hate to say it, because Catholicism was their God instead of Jesus. So how it actually went was, my dad is number 13 of 14 kids. So Ooh. huge family. That's like sharp numbers. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, and then a That's good. the metric. <laughs> at that time in Manitowoc, Wisconsin, a good Catholic Manitowoc woman sent a son to be a priest and a daughter to be a nun. And my dad was only a baby at this time. And his oldest brother, he... um was committed to going to the uh, Catholic seminary, was committed to becoming a priest. And he came home one day and at breakfast, you know, my dad doesn't remember this. He just knows this because he's a baby and he, he heard about it. But he, his older brother came home, his oldest brother came home and he said, um, I don't want to go to the seminary anymore. He died that day. Yeah. Straight up. He uh, was out in the field, and it was a freak accident because my uh, dad grew up on a farm area, construction area. Um, My grandpa had a construction company, and he was standing in some water. There happened to be a loose wire in there, and like a mile away, um, someone turned it on. You know, not, you know, like, of course, it wasn't on purpose. It was a freak accident. No one knew he was in there, and he ended up dying, and my you know, my grandma always took it, you know, God rest her soul. She's in heaven now, too. But my grandma always took that as that was God punishing him. God punished him because he decided he's not going to seminary anymore. The day he announces that he's not going to seminary, he dies. So, of course, you what, better never quit school. Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, but, but, you know, my the curse of my, Graham's my, is still there. <laughs> <laughs> my grandma, as this good Manitowoc Catholic woman, you know she. she well, because I, 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 I don't yeah. know. I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know Catholicism in every other ass in every other part of the world, but I just know what it's like there. And um, then my grandma, you know, she always thought that way about this is what God is like. God, she thought of God so, so much as just as like, I love you, but you break my rules, mm. and I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna strike you down. 
and it's sad. And so my dad grew up in um, this, you know, this fear, this, you know, not really having a good personal relationship with God. He knew God existed, but God was distant. So my parents were out on a date um, one time on their early dates and my mom was Wells Lutheran and she, you know, she asked him uh, one time, I think they're at the Manitowoc Fair. I could be getting the story wrong, but she asked him, you know, where do you think you're going to go when you die? And he said, I'm probably going to go to hell. And she was like shocked. She was shocked at how like almost okay with it he was. And he was just like, yeah, pro you know, I've just done too many, too many mistakes in my life. I haven't been that good, you know? And then, you know, I, I mean, again, I could be getting the story wrong, but it was something like within the same hour, he's making a huge bet on something. And my mom's like, what are you betting all that, like all that money for? And he's like, well, I got to pay my tithe. And it was, and you, you know, so that's how that, I gotta have some hope. Yeah, you know that, like that's Didn't how. Didn't have any luck at bingo. So. <laughs> like that's just how he thought. And my mom, my mom <laughs> brought him to Bic class, to Bible information class, and you know this is a true story. And she even she even wrote it in the first Bible she gave him. Um, he walked out of that, and she says, you know, she says, and he he says it happened too. She he skipped down the sidewalk because that was the first time in his entire life where anyone told him that he was going to heaven. He thought for years of his life, 20 some years of his life that he was going to hell and that he skipped down the sidewalk because the gospel just hit him and how happy he was that he was a redeemed child of God. No one ever told him that. And that's where I can see my parents because my mom has such strong faith. You know, my mom is such a firm awesome woman but you mess with her you know and she's she she's pretty intense and but my dad who also where i also think isaac gets his tenderness from too is my dad is tender and my dad knows what it's like to be on the other side my dad knows exactly what it's like to live where you think that god doesn't love you and god doesn't care about you and to understand wow god does love me god does care about me and i am redeemed and i love him for that that's amazing. You know, and I I really think like my mom was a great anchor to springboard my dad and my dad is such a great anchor for our family and how my mom submits to my dad and supports my dad and seeing my dad just like love my mom, you know. It just I just had such great role models growing up. And you know, of course as a kid, you don't realize how good of parents you have. Mm -hmm. But even in my own marriage, I can even think of times already, you know, I've only been married what 8 months. And I can even think of my own times where I've screwed up and I was like, yeah, but dad didn't screw this part up that I saw. I mean, not, no, I mean, I'm sure he did maybe early on, but I should have just did what he did, you know, back when I saw this. And so it's just one of those things where I'm just like, I, I will always thank God to the day I die that I had such good parents because if you know me, I did not deserve it, <laughs> but they, they rock. They truly rock. Mom and dad, if you're listening, I love you. Oh. <laughs> I love both of them too. <laughs> I know you I was, do. I they know were you saying do. that, and I was amazing. thinking to myself, I just have this enormous desire right now to drive up to Nina and give your dad a hug. <laughs> oh gosh, That's but you can't come because if you can't <laughs> come, he's gonna hug you first. Oh, and I want to yeah. give him a hug. Oh yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. like I need to 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 put in that I, I do love my parents a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I was also thinking that, like, but I, but Dan I, and Laura Holland, they they are they are some amazing my, my, people. My dad, wow. my dad and I were FaceTiming the other day, and he's just like, "Man, I just love you so much." And I'm just like, "Oh my gosh, this is so. <laughs> I don't deserve you, man. I really don't deserve you." 
<laughs> you are such a great human being. Yeah. No, I think in a similar way though. So like I'm so one of the big things that I think comes up continually in literature about masculinity and manhood, particularly Christian masculinity and manhood, is um, that it's something learned. Um, and you'll have different authors that say different things about feminism or not feminism, but like femininity. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, they all agree on masculinity. It's something you've got to learn from other men and it's something you need to like, because then, then they'll always take it the next step then mm-hmm. because I am made in the image of my creator. Um, then I also don't know who I am if I'm not connected to my Heavenly Father. And so study of Scripture mm-hmm. isn't just me learning about God. It's also me learning about you know, him who in, whom I, in whose image I am created, and therefore I'm learning about myself, right? right? But anyway, so we all are then, for better or for worse, in some pretty significant ways, reflections of the way mm-hmm. we were raised. Whether we want to be like that, or whether we end up being like that or rebellious against it. Mm-hmm. And for different people, that's a positive or a negative or whatever. Um, but looking at my own father and just seeing the, especially recently, like some of the conversations we have and some of the, just some of the books we've been reading and just praying on situations that are going on, you know, within the family, just seeing the incredible sacrifices that my dad in particular, and well, really my mom too, um, made for the sake of the church. Um, was a huge thing too and it really taught me a lot of lessons about staying um and and like staying put and and seeing things through and getting things done right Mm -hmm. and i can say the same thing about like grandfather and well both grandfathers you know very different lessons from either grandfather Mm -hmm. but you know it's like that kind of cool thing and uh i just a really cool idea that you can see so clearly already as you know very young man just the incredible impact that being well fathered can have on you and I would guess you'll have a pretty good impact. Pretty, you know, the Lord punishes the s- children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation, but He also blesses a thousand generations of those who love Him. And so I look forward, look eagerly, look forward to to seeing you in action as a dad too. Oh, thank you so much, man. Yeah. <clears throat> It'll be good. Yeah, Eli, what about your dad? Yeah. <laughs> What about Give my you dad? a chance. <laughs> oh, Steve's Steve. a great human being. Oh, Steve. Um, yeah, my dad um, is a librarian in the city of Milwaukee. Um, if you start talking to him, you'll figure out very quickly that he loves Milwaukee and loves everything about the city um, and wants only the best for the city and wants to continue to build up um, everything about it and just continue to support it in all ways. Um, He's been a librarian in a bunch of different settings, whether uh, area grade schools, uh, area high schools, private schools, um, public libraries. Um, yeah, so th- that, that's been his, his big focus and big career in the last few years. Uh, currently, I, oh, I, wanna, I cannot remember which high school he is at right now. He moves jobs every like two years because <laughs> libraries are poorly funded and he yeah, is right. a persistent librarian. Um, so he continually finds positions and continually finds support for them. Uh, he also works at MATC um, as a part-time job, Milwaukee area technical um, and loves what he does there. And so that's his primary focus uh, for fun. He's a rugby player. Um, oh, he, awesome. he no longer plays rugby or he's not, he's not supposed to play rugby <laughs> um, because he is, 
on the older side of things. Um, but he still loves the sport. Uh, he's he's um, a prominent referee in Wisconsin and teaches a lot of other referees in Wisconsin as well. Um, so that's that's kind of the background on Steve. Uh, he is a the the primary things that he loves would be books, rugby, and good beer, probably in that order. <laughs> Um, I might be wrong, but I, I think that he would probably back that up as well. That's awesome. So you guys, were you guys the kind of family where everybody's got a book, just like got a book in their um, hands? I didn't realize it until later on in my life that I probably did read a little bit more than the common child. Um, and that books were a prominent part of our family. Like we would, when we were growing up, we would have the like, um, me and my brother and my sister, we would all pile onto my parents' bed before bedtime. And we, I, we read through the Harry Potter books. Um, and we read like a, a, a number of other books and series. Um, and my dad was always just pushing books, di- different books and like, uh, for us to find different books into our lives. Um, so Harry Potter was a big one. Series of unfortunate events was another big ah, one. Uh, great I've series. Got the, I've got the first edition first. So yeah. first three. So as they came out, because they came out in threes, mm-hmm. I have each set of threes at yeah. the first edition. And ah, just I a, love those a books. great series. A great oh, series. I think. I think something. I also, I uh, have the unauthorized autobiography of Lemony, Lemony Snicket. Snicket. Oh, I remember. Really? So Good. mine. We I spilled grape juice on the cover. <laughs> my dad brought us to. I think it was at Alverno College. Um, my dad brought us to. Um, like this lemony snicket like appearance and then uh like lemony snicket doesn't show up and like the 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 person who it's actually lemony snicket which i had no idea at the time because i'm like 12 and i'm like totally sold into this idea of like oh lemony snicket isn't here but this other person who (laughs) claims to know lemony snicket is here and so like the it, it was this really cool thing of like just this whatever the, the author's real name is but um but just it was a really cool thing anyway book, books have played a, a large role in my child and i didn't realize it until later on of how significant they were um well the, yeah. what, I, what i was Here gonna I. say was i was like uh it, i mean eli's one of my best friends in the whole world you know uh musician groomsman in my wedding we've known each other for years and th- what i always respected about you was how articulate and how good you are with your words. And when Articular. I'm secure, <laughs> how good are <laughs> But I'm serious. Like you are, you are really good. And it's funny when you, when I watch you, and I've always thought this about you is how when you think about words, and and you're you're constantly thinking about what's the right thing to say, what's the right word to use right here, mm-hmm. and you're very well versed. You have very good vocabulary, and I think that just goes to show you're just a product of mm-hmm. starting reading early, right? And like that's what your parents did right, right for you. I've always that, respected this about you. Yeah, I so I guess if I'm if I'm blaming him for anything it's how slow i speak because i'm always trying to think of what specific (laughs) word would articulate best what i want to say um and so then i have to distinguish between what like two words that i want to say so i I could blame him for making me talk slowly and stutter and all of that um but also i can thank him for the for that uh for that vernacular it's also really good because a lot of the book suggestions i get come from eli oh, too really? yeah mm-hmm. there you go and the gird up podcast yeah, <laughs> yeah. Podcast. <laughs> yeah are you a reader now though like, do you i still read? have 
High school killed reading for me. Um, <laughs> I, I went to Wisconsin Lutheran, um, and I, <laughs> I did not. Shout out Wisconsin not, Lutheran, you kill reading. Wisco! <laughs> I did not have a good English experience at Wisco. So um, I, I loved the specific English teachers that I had there, um, but I would say overall there just needed to be, there needs to be some sort of overhaul. But that being said, um, I, I've been forcing myself to get back into reading. And now I would say I've, I've, I'm starting to hit more of a cadence, uh, when it comes to like picking out specific books. Um, this past year was consumed largely by brothers Karamazov, um, which is a large Russian novel by, uh, Fyodor Dostoevsky. Um, and that one is a dry, dry story of complexities <laughs> and philosophy um and it took me a it took me a long time to get through because i started it back in march i finished it this year in january um i picked up a few other books in the meantime but i and i tr- would go back and forth um so that one was that one was a tougher book I actually got back into reading by forcing myself through the count of monte cristo uh which is an amazing novel uh as well um anyway the i i would consider myself more of a reader now i want to i always want to push myself more and more to continue reading and to continue continue picking up books i'm i always have a book that i'm in uh which is something that i will hold um but i have people in my life whether it my my girlfriend who is an english major and constantly reading books all the time or um i don't think i know anyone who reads more than her uh, my cousin, oh, never Maria mind. Schleck, uh, but, she, oh. Maria Becker. Now, oh, yeah, Becker. She reads even more, um, and like I, I'm on Goodreads, uh, and she puts anybody to shame uh, because she just powers through books. And uh, like when you're reading a book, often I ha- or when I'm reading a book, I have to slow down and to like understand things. I don't know how she gets it all, but she does, and she's able to give a full criticism of the book um or praise of the book and it's a completely comp- comprehensive review um but she's able to just completely go through books so quickly uh, and cassandra does this as well cassandra's my girlfriend um and the, so i have a lot of people in my life who are way better at reading than i am and so i'm constantly uh reminded of where i'm at uh in terms of how much of a, a reader i am um but i would say that i I, I strive to continue reading because of the knowledge that I think comes from reading and the, the knowledge that is preserved in books overall, um, whether that's the, the truths that are in it or the arguments that are put into it, um, the thoughts that it provokes. I think that reading is a, a great thing. Yeah, I think I'm with you too there on uh, not necessarily even reading slow, although I take a slower pace, mm-hmm. I think, than like there are just people that astound me. Like that right. when. Um, you see these like Facebook posts about like, well, most uh, obs- executives read, you know, however many books a year. That means three books a week. And I go, mm-hmm. I don't if I, all I did was read, I couldn't read three right. books a week. But like I, I also um, like I do read, you know, intense mm-hmm. stuff most of the time as well. But like I just like I liked by the time I'm done with the book, I want to. I want to have the book right. in my, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, you I want need something to be to in, you know, like, yeah, I'd like to, something to take a bite out of and hold yeah. on to. Uh, for me, it was like, like I said, it was the same thing. I, I read and read and read and read. And then we moved the summer before eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And so that whole summer, like, your world's just getting wrecked and you can escape into this, yeah. you know, the world of, you know, the series of unfortunate events. Yep. The, that was about the time the last Harry Potter books came out, which my sister. 
my younger sister <laughs> read the was it the Deathly? What's the second to last one? A uh, Half Blood Prince. Half-Blood yeah, Half Blood. She yep. read the Half Blood Prince before I did, and so I had read them all. Um, and then the Half Blood Prince came out, and my older sister read it, my younger sister read it. And I don't remember why I had to be the last one to read it, but we had one copy of it, and they read it first. And then one day, <laughs> Laura got mad at me, and I was like two chapters into the Half Blood Prince, and Laura got mad at me. I was on the way out of church. I don't even remember what she was mad about. <laughs> We're walking out of church, and she just turns to me and go. Dumbledore dies at the end. <laughs> and I was oh, I, no. I there's only one other time I've been in more trouble at church than that moment. I was upset. Uh, this was like I was still in trouble two weeks later, kind of upset. Like oh and so then How old it, were you? I need uh, I need to put a face of it. 14? Oh. 15? Like uh, so, I, I so was, you're like the I was same like, size, yeah, super, right? I was super young. <laughs> you're like I the was, same no, size. I was, I wasn't. I was about two inches shorter oh. and about <laughs> ten pounds lighter, <laughs> which is funny because I weigh two hundred fifty pounds now. Yeah. <laughs> We're always, oh my gosh. I See, was a big boy. Well, that's, that's why I always thought of you. Yeah. Okay, first of all, I just, like, I, I had this vision while you were, while there was a point where you and I were both talking and Eli sitting down there. Mm-hmm. Well, I just envisioned, like, all this sound flying across the room and hitting Eli. Because I feel like we're both just screaming the microphones. <laughs> <laughs> hang on, hang on. And Eli's just, like, rationally talking and we're just screaming. Anyway, not that it matters. It's fine. One, one story about you, though, that I, oh, that no, I, that I do no, remember no. from where you being, you, like, like I I you see you've you've like you like say about yourself you're like oh my gosh I used to be fat I did not used to think of you that way I truly did not I always just thought like he's just he's just this big manly boy you know oh, that's what that, I want to be same time, <laughs> how many how many 15 you know. year old kids are lifting <laughs> right five, four times but, a week but, but Jeremiah's d- childhood voice sounded like he was like a Boston news you were so big so strong and that's why I wanted to be like no so so the thing is is that i still remember i and i want to say i was like in fourth or fifth grade you're at my house for vanguard during um during the like the first week what's the first week of vanguard it's been i'm so far removed from it now what's it band camp sorry (laughs) that's so weird but uh (laughs) but um my mom we came home football's hell week that's it, yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. And then so, band camp is the so first you, week of band. you you came back or you came back because you were saying this is, the, this is the dichotomous world I live in. <laughs> you were staying at our house, and my mom, you know, like raised three boys, so she she makes a lot of food all the time, <laughs> oh, no. and and she made grilled cheese. And I remember, I remember she offered you a second one, and you were like. I can do that. <laughs> I can uh, have a second because, and that's when we realized you grew up in a world filled with sisters. <laughs> and my mom, my, you know, we, you and you, you like you got cut off when you got cut off. My mom didn't cut us off. It just gets, until until so, they're done eating. So that's true. That's true. You you got like the food was on the table, and there wasn't more food once the food on the table was gone. So uh-huh. we would eat the food off the table. But then at some point, I would still be hungry. And so I just remember getting in trouble so many times because a box of like 12 Hot Pockets would go, quote unquote, missing. It's like mm-hmm. sitting in the bottom of my locker at school. <laughs> it was like between classes. <laughs> sitting in the bottom of your locker. <laughs> so, Did you even okay, put it in the microwave or was it just oh, yeah, lukewarm? Oh, microwave. okay. So we I had just... three-minute passing periods. It takes okay. two minutes to cook a Hot Pocket. It takes <laughs> me about 35 seconds to get to my locker. And so I would... 
or I would take a hot pocket to class. So this is also when I thought I was going to play big time college football, which was a ludicrous dream to begin with. But I thought I was going to play big time college football, and you can't play big time college football at 240 pounds. So you got to put on some weight. Mm-hmm. Which, when you're 17 years old, what better way to put on weight than peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and hot pockets? Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so it was for I would literally. My, my dad would go grocery shopping and buy, like, because we loved Hot Pockets. So my dad would go grocery shopping, and he would buy two, like, 12 pa- was it 10 or 12, that, the big boxes the big of Hot one. Pockets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And they'd the go in the freezer. One. And then, I'm like, so he'd go shopping on Saturday. You know, on Sunday, mom would make Sunday dinner, so it was a big meal on Sunday. And then on Monday, it was like a whole box of Hot Packs were already gone. <laughs> <laughs> and they were all just, so it was, like, we had eight periods in a day. And probably between four of those periods, I would have a hot pocket. Wow. I, there was a point. Uh, the first time I ever measured my calories was my senior year of high school when I was trying to get big. And I was trying to make sure I was eating enough to get big. And I was the first time I ever measured, I was well over 5,000 calories a day. Wow. My peak when I was about 270 pounds and almost had a six-pack was um, you wake up in the morning do I'll eat. just throw that in there almost at a six pack. <laughs> uh, well, no, but that's a big boy. Right? No, I guess that's yes. a very, very just, large human being. I tease in fact, the there's ones a picture of you and me um, at like a at a uh, uh, Macbeth show. Oh, I know which one that's you're talking marching about. Marching band. Okay, and I've got yeah. like a. For some reason, I was wearing like a cashmere sweater. No, you look hot in that photo. You okay, look sweet. so good. I appreciate that, yeah. man. No, I wish you I could look that so good. good. I look smaller than I am, but I was actually 30, 20, 30 pounds heavier than I am now. In that picture, which is just insane. Anyway, <clears throat> the next year was the year I spent in Hollywood, and I slimmed down when I was in Hollywood, which is kind of funny to me. Anyway, <laughs> um, so, oh boy, way off topic. Here. <laughs> so, um, I would, you're talking about eating a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it was the MLC cafeteria. You get all you can eat all day long, basically. Mm-hmm. So, I wake up in the morning, I'd eat an entire dinner plate of eggs, an entire dinner plate. Well, so I'd split the, dinner, the other dinner plate in half. So half of it would be like meat of some kind, so sausage and bacon and all that kind of stuff. And then the other side would be waffles or pancakes, whatever they were serving that day. That was breakfast. It was an entire plate of eggs and an entire plate of meat and carbs, right? And then for lunch, you'd have an entire rotisserie chicken or or sometimes it was pork loin, sometimes it was rotisserie chicken. And whether you went up there, so there's one guy who was from like the Caribbean who would just give me an entire rotisserie chicken. <laughs> Um, other other times I would have to go back like over and over and over again because mm-hmm. they wouldn't give it all to me at once. But I would eat an entire rotisserie chicken and a dinner plate sized salad, and then usually like a frozen pizza or something like that. Okay. And then eat the same thing for dinner at you know five o'clock six o'clock after I worked out, and then go to the library and quote unquote study. Really walk mm-hmm. around and talk to girls for three hours, yep. and then <laughs> yep, <laughs> and, and then go back to late night calf. Where I would then also eat like 500 calories worth of food. And it was, there were times where I was on a daily basis eating like 8,500 to 9,000 calories a day and not getting fat. I wish those days would come back. (laughs) I wish I could still do that. There, oh my goodness. It was insane. But I paid the dividends of that then when I like (laughs) threw out my back and all kinds of other things and just like walking around dying. We also were really bad at working out. Like we worked out really intensely and we got really strong, but we were so bad just at like the mechanics of stuff. Yeah, process. just wrecked our bodies. Oh, yeah, man. just yeah. wrecked our yeah. bodies. Yeah. But yeah, those are the good old days, man. You talk about eating a lot. 
there was like I got to college and there was no end to food and I didn't yeah, have to ever yeah. go shopping and it was just like this is heaven I never want to leave you are <laughs> I what, never you, want to leave you are what introduced me to that because when I came on that focus trip and I stayed in your room and then you brought me you brought me to the cap and it was all you can it's eat glorious. I, like, I remember I went I'm, on a focus trip too I'm and it becoming was, a pastor is, I it's that. old country buffet oh <laughs> that was the weekend okay I probably shouldn't tell this story but this is my one shameless college story that was was that the weekend that you were here you were there at a winter carnival weekend right no no it was um there was like a play or something actually okay, it wasn't this a is boring carnival. focus trips okay so I, I thought that was the focus <laughs> trip okay so there was a focus trip I'm pretty sure it was a focus trip you were on where you stayed with me and um we you know enjoyed winter carnival and I woke up the next morning and there was a cake in my bed that said happy birthday Brian. And I didn't know anybody named Brian. And it had one piece cut out of it. <laughs> Brian had a and terrible like, birthday. What do we do with this cake? I've heard this story, but I wasn't there, but I have heard this story oh, before. Oh, man. Yeah. I feel really bad about it. I feel really bad about it. You should buy a birthday cake. That's like cake my for one Brian exciting time. If you ever story. meet a Brian, you need to. Just buy like a any cake. Brian I ever meet. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's transmittable. Like, oh, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> for all Brian's everywhere, I give you this cake. <laughs> as an apology to people named Brian. We talked about tithes earlier. That's like your version of a tithe. That's right. It's just your... to Brian's yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. You got to make that up. Someday I'm going to meet a homeless guy named Brian. I'm going to be like, he's going to be brother. A, he's going to have a great Get birthday in. on a <laughs> random day of the year. <laughs> Whatever day it is, it's his birthday. It's, he's having it's a good It's going to be a good time. day. Oh, man. Oh, jeez. <laughs> this is so fun. I'm so I happy. I'm so I'm happy glad. we're doing this. I'm just really glad you guys are here. Yeah, this is great. This is fun. Sweet. So, what does uh, what does the off season look like up at Camp Phillip? Um, overall, the the off season is not extremely glamorous by any means. Um, since... Tell them about your dog. Oh, I do have a dog. Uh, my dog is his name is Madden. He's a Springer Spaniel, and his oh, he was all over Kyle's Instagram he, today. Yes, he yeah. was. His his one year birthday is in about two weeks. Just under two weeks. February 24th was his birthday. And so we got him when he was seven weeks old um, from a quick trip manager. Because Kyle works at quick trip. And his manager. From a quick trip. From a quick trip. We just <laughs> he showed up. tied up outside. We uh, thought he was cute. Look, well, the funny thing, quick trip like picture, like hosts or posts a bunch of dogs on their Instagram. And I, I think like uh, my dog is very deserving of this because he was he was adopted in a quick trip parking lot <laughs> and so like that's where I, I brought him home from a quick trip parking lot um when he was just like a teeny tiny little puppy um but like he two, like two weeks old right or what's seven that? seven weeks old seven so he, weeks. Was, he okay. was he was a little bit older than that but he was about the size of a football and so madden oh. is a fitting name um he's a great puppy um but he he takes up a good portion of our time he just got neutered about a month ago so I call him Maddie sometimes. Probably loves um, that. Yeah. He he got an infection, so now there's a nice scar on his former manhood. Um, <laughs> just adding insult to injury. Um, <laughs> but he, yeah, so he's been keeping up a good portion of our time uh, at camp. Other other than that, camp is, it's it's a pretty quiet off season. Um, we have had one group uh, come in in the last two months. And so it's it's quiet, but at the same time, and that, that's why I'm able to take up my time doing other things. That's why I, when I said earlier that camp has allowed me to um, 
figure out how to use my free time and figure out how to become a productive person at all times, um, that, that, that off season is one of the contributing factors. Um, granted this year I've, I've started working at a ski hill, just doing a bartending gig and it's been a blast to, to, to pick up some extra money that way and to fill my time meeting more people and getting to, to talk to more people and connect in that way. It's been really fun. Um, and that makes the winters go a little bit faster, but the, the off season at camp is spent, finding projects to do around camp that can be done in six, seven inches of snow or of ice, um, <laughs> as well as coming up with programs. Matthew and I do a lot of like soft thinking of what the summer will entail. We talk about the, the thought, the coming year's staff, um, and all of the things that our camp is about in the, in the coming year and about the near future. And yeah, so it's, it's a unique time. It's a unique time for sure, and it's not something that a ton of people experience because, I mean, even when I'm talking to other people at this time of the year, everybody else is either knee-deep in school or in, in seminary like Jeremiah, or they're they're just in the grind with their job, and their their life is between work, sleep, and if they have a girlfriend or a boyfriend, it's doing that. And so, like, a lot of other people's lives are just so full, but it, it gives me time to go and reach out to people um and it's it's amazing to me how i have all of this time and i'm still not able to find and reach out to all of the people that i want to um i still have a lot of really good friends from high school that i've i i want to reach out to and go say hello to but i just find myself with such short amount of time because there's i mean god has blessed me with a, a wide array of friends and i i haven't neglected them more often than i should have um and so it's even with this surplus of time, I still, I still find myself short on time, which is kind of funny. Yeah. So, what specifically do you fill your days with? Um, it it, it extremely varies day to day. Um, some days it's it could be something so mundane as I'm sitting around my house, which is at camp and in Watoma, and I'm plowed or I, I'm I can't get out of my house because there's seven inches of snow on the ground and I have a front wheel drive car. Uh, and so I'll, I'll, I was about to I'll, say y'all need four wheel drive. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I had a four, an all wheel drive Subaru and then the, the time belt went. And so now I said, I want to get a car that's reliable. So now I have a car that's reliable, but it can't drive through the snow. <laughs> um, so that's great. Um, but so a, a day really could be just me being stuck in my house. And so I, I, I recently bought a PS4 t- to, help pass the time and to just say I'm allowed to have some form of like personal recreation that doesn't need to necessarily be accomplishing anything but it's simply for my own entertainment I um I like had to justify this purchase of a ps4 to myself like it took a while to convince me that like okay this is allowed um uh but I was I, I did that and so sometimes a day is simply like I'll play ps4 I'll I'll read for a little bit I'll go for a walk with my dog and then that's it um other days it could be something that like today I, I I was able to make a trip down Milwaukee and help with the chapel at a school with um our one of the former camp staff Keith Hackberth um and just it, it was such a great use of my time like I'm driving a long time for a shorter amount of an activity but it's still just such a cool thing and like that's why I'm a, a year-round employee of campus so that I have the ability to do something like that of being able to come to a school so far away and share what camp does and share the ministry of camp in a unique setting um and so I've I've done 
a number of schools where I'll just go either for a day or I'll stay overnight. Um, and they let me be there for the day, leading activities, songs, games, um, and do all sorts of things. And so a day could be that a day could be, um, me going around with a chainsaw and cutting trees down. Cause that's been a day before or, uh, or, 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 or <laughs> yeah, a day yeah, building. Uh, that was the best. Yeah. Kids every day. I want to get a right. chainsaw <laughs> in my hands, man. Um, yeah. Or one day this, this past spring, I had, um, a few friends out and we built an ax throwing range, um, and so, yeah, it's, it's really hard for me to say, this is what I'm going to be doing this week. Like one thing that I have to get done in the next, um, month or two is I have to, um, build a homemade model rocket using like a golf club protector and, um, like a fake or like a, a, a plastic champagne glass. And I've just got to put that together because we have a, a, a model rocket or a, we call it rocketry specialty. So we're going to have a camp this summer where kids get to build their own homemade rockets. And I have to just figure out how we're doing that. <laughs> um, Cause like there's dude, a, there's a video to, on YouTube yeah, and I'm just like going to figure it out. It's going to be great. I was a kid. Oh yeah. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Anyway, it's are be you like putting rocket engines in them or are they like bio yep. rockets? Yeah. No, we, uh, I, I bought like the rocket engines off of Amazon. So I have a few of those that I can test with and then I'm going to buy a whole load of them and then we're awesome. just going to shoot That's them off. So Is that specialty filled up? I don't know. I, don't, I doubt it. Back, I doubt it. <laughs> it's gonna be. It's gonna be a good time. Well, this it's is my be like a bunch of fifth graders <laughs> just shooting off rocket engines. <laughs> it's sleep- gonna be awesome. I'm sleeping in the cabin with them. <laughs> Me, 23 years old. I have a high school a junior staff. No. Um, funny story. One time, <laughs> and, and I can't can't pay. my first my first year <laughs> on. Mom, I and, miss my wife. <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> My first year on Salt Staff at Camp Phillip, I I had a soccer specialty cabin where I had two junior staff, um, and Jeremiah was one of my junior staff. Yes, so I, I really that. should have just considered Jeremiah as one of my campers then, and then it would be like when I'm doing the specialty this summer, Jeremiah will be my camper again. There you go. <laughs> Hello, excuse so, me, Mike- everybody, <laughs> get out of my way, little kid. I'm making my bracket. Jeez. Uh, uh, so my grandparents live oh. on a lake. Um, okay. Down in southeastern Wisconsin, and when I was a kid, we used to, like, so before we moved out here, uh, we would always we lived in La Crosse. We would always go on vacation out here. So mm-hmm. instead of taking like quote unquote real vacations, we just come down and visit. Yeah, which is great when your grandparents live on a lake. You yeah, know? so you go visit all your relatives, and then like three of the seven days that you're there, you just spend out on a lake all day, which was awesome. But we would go fishing in the morning. We'd two ball afternoon. Have a big dinner, and then I would always like in the basement of our house in La Crosse. I would like, collect toilet paper tubes mm-hmm. and and all that kind of stuff, and I would build model rockets, like really? massive model rockets to shoot off, and we would shoot them off over the lake, and uh, most of the time they were very successful. I remember like we had one uh, about the time I reached six foot. That was as tall as I was. It was about the time I reached six foot and so like when second I was 13. Grade. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, but so we shot this thing out. So what, there were two of them. There's one that was supposed to look like a pencil. Actually, okay. I think I still have that like in the garage here. Oh, that'd be awesome. Um, I do. I'm pretty sure I do. You need to just come up for a, a day during this and rocketry then, specialty. And oh, then we can just man. put together a bunch of toilet paper dude, tubes and see so what happens. Great. Yeah, dude. And so we would shoot it off and you put uh, like make it two stage rockets and it would legitimately go like a quarter yeah. mile up into the air and just well maybe even more than that i don't even know like, mm-hmm. i knew at the time and we would shoot them off and then they would go like fetch them in the boat so i'd be standing on the shore mm-hmm. shooting off rockets and then they would have the pontoon boat like rolling around <laughs> literally scooping the rockets out of the water and then one year we had these little we just made 
we were trying to make like fireworks, like homemade fireworks, and we didn't tell our parents. I shouldn't say we, I. <laughs> it's not like my siblings were involved. It's not like neighborhood kids were involved. It was me. I was trying to make fireworks. And so I bought a box of, sc- of sparklers. Yep. Scraped off all the sparkler stuff, whatever yeah. that's called. Oh, sure. Um, into and so that, uh, into like a cup and then put the that inside of a rocket. So in, and the rocket was one <laughs> toilet paper tube long. So you think about the length of a toilet paper tube. And then I put a full-size rocket engine in the bottom of that. Now, Which takes up you, about half of it. More than that, yeah. Okay. Um, and so if you, if you <laughs> buy a rocket of that size at a, like a hobby shop, it's going to have a rocket engine like an eighth of the size yep. of a regular rocket, <laughs> of, of like a full-size rocket engine in it. And so I put a full-size model rocket engine in it, and we had like four of them. And then we put fi- uh, fins on them, and I let, we had three of them. Because my sisters both painted one and I painted one. And so the first one, we, we set off one of the big ones and we set off one of like the store-bought ones. And then that was, that was supposed to be next. And so I put them, all three of them, like in a, in a like three-way thing. You know, so one of them was going to go straight up in the air. Okay. And two were going to go sideways. Gotcha. But they were too powerful. They didn't weigh enough. For the rocket engine, so they were they could like spin and do all kinds of. Crazy I was gonna stuff. say, we I'm picturing one that. of these going sideways into a house. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so the the <laughs> in between the subdivision that my grandparents live in and the lakefront front property that they all share is about thirty acres of wetland. But in August, there's not a lot of wet. It's just land. <laughs> land. It's just wooded, heavily wooded land. <laughs> lots of dry grass. Now, lots and lots of dry grass and leaves and wood, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so some might call it kindling. <laughs> some might call it kindling. Yeah. So we shoot them all off at the same time. <laughs> like, and this was the kind of setup where you literally have like a tractor battery because <laughs> my family's John Deere dealers. So literally have a tractor battery, and we're like setting off rockets with a tractor battery. And two of them go straight up in the air, and they're beautiful, and they explode and everything, just like they're Lovely. supposed to. The last one goes about 10 feet straight up in the air and then straight over the woods. <laughs> and you hear it go pop, and then nothing. Oh, man. And we actually drove around the subdivision, like, hoping to find the rocket, and we could not find it, which means it's in the woods somewhere in the middle of a drought in the middle of August <laughs> in Wisconsin, oh, man. like 200 feet from Holmes. And my, my mom, I didn't really bother me. It bothers me now as an adult, but at the time it really didn't bother me. But my mom still talks about like at least once a year, my mom will bring up like that night was one of the most sleepless nights of her life. Where, like every time she heard a siren, every time there was like a rustle of the wind, she was like, oh, it's burning down. Oh, <laughs> was, oh man. man. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That we, I think we escaped oh, narrowly with those. Oh man. But that was so much fun Yeah, to see those big, like, Four or five foot tall rockets go flying oh, up into sure. the sky, and man, it was yeah. awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. So, I'm are excited. you officially inviting me back then? Uh, if you want to come up <laughs> and help us build a toilet paper rocket, that oh, would dude, be I'm awesome. So, I'm oh. so down with that. Uh, do it. It's going to be a good so time. The kids that. are going to love it if right. you're yes. there too. Awesome. Let's do it. I'm in. There it let's is. Yes. I was a witness. I saw you guys. Witness. I saw you guys. I mean, it's bad radio, but I saw you guys handshake. That's yeah. great, man. So, what else? What else? What kind of programming do you have uh, for the upcoming summer? Yeah. Um, I overall, it's it's a it's a pretty standard summer in terms of what we've been doing recently. Um, we'll have 
our archery specialties and rock climbing specialty, baking special or culinary or baking specialty. specialty. We don't. I think that archery might jump over to, uh, to tomahawks and do a little bit of that. But They've all, got of, They've yeah, got all yeah. of our all of our sunshine campers, so third grade and up, get to try out the tomahawks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to try to revamp the tomahawk wall to get it. It's it was pretty demolished by last year, so I'm gonna see if I can remodel a little bit, build it up, and build a little bit of a shady you mean spot when you for give it. A, so hundreds of teenagers tomahawks and tell them to throw them at a wall. It demolishes oh, the wall. surprisingly, <laughs> surprisingly, um, but yeah, the 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 summer is shaping up. Our theme uh, was announced. We have our brochures out, so our theme is officially announced. It's blast off. It's based on Romans twelve two, which is do not conform to the patterns of this world. Uh, so the idea is is we're, we're combining that idea of to the patterns of this world, connecting it to outer space and, and leaving this world behind um, so that we can uh, find what else is out there and, and, and to look at the promises that God has and to, to see what perfection is and all those sorts of things. Um, yeah, so it'll be the, the blast-off theme and space theme. Uh, we're really excited about it. Yeah, I'm sure. Last year's theme was awesome, too. Want to yeah. talk about last year's theme? Yeah, uh, so last year's theme was Big Footprints to Follow, uh, and it was on the verse in Matthew, uh, if anybody wants to be my disciple, they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. So talking about uh, following Jesus by stepping in his footprints, um, and that means following uh, how he lived his life, because he he was the perfect example for us. Um, So we got to talk about that while working under the theme of Bigfoot. So we had um, a good friend of mine, Chad, uh, walking around camp all summer as Bigfoot. Uh, oh, in this, I was about in to this say, big, if you big... needed a mascot, I could have just walked around with my <laughs> yeah. shirt off. Could have just took True. my shirt off and that would have been that, And that would have been better because Chad, Chad was wearing like this this full fur costume that one stroke. of our parents. He got heat yeah. stroke in July from it because a, it was like on a 90 A camp parent day. made it for him and it looked so great. But also, it's this big fur costume in the middle of July. <laughs> like that's not the the July apparel. So he's he's getting heat stroke out there. But it was it was really fun. It was really fun. Probably not the heat stroke, but everything else. Everything else was really fun. It makes yeah. a great story. Yeah, um, I've heard. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Somebody was talking about like different levels of fun, and how oh it was on Meat Eater, um, the Meat Eater on Netflix. You ever oh yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Not familiar. Oh, it's a great show. You'd love mm. it. Um, but especially as a new hunter, I mean, I don't hunt, but I would love to. Yeah. So anybody that wants to get me out hunting, let me know. Yeah. Anyway, the, uh, um, he was talking about like different levels of fun and how like a roller coaster is your cheapest level of fun. Cause there's really no risk and it really isn't any reward. Like nobody 25 years later was like, Oh, that was such a great roller coaster. Oh, I want to go back, <laughs> you know? Um, but when people, you know, like when they go on like a 70 mile hike or something like that, it's sure. just incredibly hard. They're like, Oh, we were so miserable. It was awesome. Oh, to right. be young again. You know, yeah, my, my version of that, a friend of mine, we, we did a bike ride from Milwaukee to Madison when we were in high school and we did it on fixed gear bikes because I was, I, I, I still am a big biker, um, but we did it on fixed gear bikes and that was probably the most miserable day of my life <laughs> because we're, we're riding with a single speed where you have to pedal the entire time on oh, gravel man. roads. So we're on skinny tires, but yeah, that's, that's a, one of the fondest days of my life because I, I just, I loved the, the misery that you go through. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. right. Well, I, I feel we're that. talking about hell week and band camp and things like uh-huh. that. Like those insanely difficult weeks where you get on the, the third day of the week, you're just like, 
yeah, I, I, uh, why did I do this? You know? Yeah. But then when the week is over, you're like, oh, so much fun. <laughs> well, and that, that was the other thing too. Cause I even remember, I mean, people will make fun of Bandcamp, whatever, but I was, a Dude, I was, Bandcamp yeah. is intense. I was, a I, I <laughs> don't even know, man. I was, a I, was, I do not know. I never <laughs> participated. I was the, I was the snare. Bandcamp got a lot more intense when I became a director. Yeah. <laughs> just I was, I was the snare drummer in Lutheran Vanguard, a center snare. And we, well, uh, I was center snare. I was. <laughs> and, uh, I still remember. I was kind of a big that, deal. That I would like to my sticks. I did. I did. There's a photo of me doing it. And I remember Jordan Camps. Do you remember? You remember Jordan yeah, Camps? Oh, yeah. yeah. I got to tell and you he, my new favorite Jordan Camps story, too. Oh, but go ahead. They was like, so we had certain snare music. I, I th- Actually, I think it was all drumline music. And he didn't like it. So he rewrote the whole thing oh, yeah. and made it way cooler, yeah. but way harder. So not only are we learning all these steps, um, learning all these steps for the whole show and everything, but we're learning brand new music that like we've practiced something completely different for six months. And then he's like, ah, scratch it. We're writing something new. And then we get this <laughs> brand new thing. And we're trying to learn this within a week. So it's like a mental and physical game. You know, I oh, still, re- I still remember looking specifically at Jack Kubek. I looked at Jack Kubek and I said, I don't think I've ever been more frustrated in this before in my life. And he just laughed because it was his first year on snare. He had no idea. And then I was on it and I was like, I've never been so frustrated with this in my life because it's learning brand new music and all these steps. But then it turned out amazing. But yeah, I still remember. Do you know how to read music? What? Sorry. I can read I can read music. It was learning brand new music that we, we, we've been learning a completely different thing since January and then get to June and then we're like, nope, we're rewriting it. And then it was like, oh, oh. Yeah. so I've now we got to read Jeremiah we, for years and he has never accepted a, a sheet of music from me. That's actually true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I that speaks it. to the level of musician that he is. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Yeah, that's what it is. I love playing music with Jeremiah. I do. In fact, Eli's actually probably one of my favorite people to play music with. And I'm not even that good. Well, we often (laughs) talk about... It's the chemistry that we have. Yeah, I was going to say, Eli... Eli, I mean, Eli says he's not that good. But if you know Eli, you know he's a very good guitar player. And I love playing drums with him because... If we don't even we don't even have to make eye contact with each other. It's literally <laughs> we're just, it's, it's it's just well. I mean, well, because haven't it's, you it's haven't amazing. you played with certain musicians where you gotta oh, like you sure. gotta like look for at sure. them so you know where the thing like we just like I think yeah. we've been playing how long we've we been playing it's together for like four or five, five years. years yeah four five or five years. years and it's like we just know each other at this point already. And it, so. it was it was like that from the very first time we yeah. just we we didn't have to coordinate what we were doing with the song. It was just, we know exactly when we're building, when we're, when we're fading. Mm -hmm. Um, We know where a song is going and yeah. Mm -hmm. You two are so cute together. (laughs) (laughs) I love you, man. No, but I know exactly what you're talking about though, too, especially like uh, when you're kind of improving or when you're like, you don't have specific music written in front of you or even just interpretation of new music too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for Mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you guys do a lot of music at camp. Oh, yes. yeah, that's that's just, probably just a little bit <laughs> b- behind behind God's word. That's probably the second biggest part of. Yeah. 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 Music. Yeah. Which which sets Camp Philip apart from a lot of other camps, because like when people think of summer camp, they think of sitting around a fire singing Kumbaya or whatever. But like in reality, they're thinking about everything else they do. But when people think of Camp Philip, they're they're excited about the songs and they're excited about like everything that has to do because we we have days where we start our morning with song we have days where we every single day we finish with song um and every single day we have a a part of the day that's specific it's called song period where we just 
get wild and crazy and sing praises and it's mm-hmm. it's always a good time and there there's nothing else like it especially in the wells um where people just get so wild and crazy about singing praises to jesus and but not while, while of, all not the while singing and either. no like, it's, yeah, we're, it's we're like, singing about ducks yeah. and crocodiles but all this we also realize like we're singing because of the gifts that god has given us and like the blessings that he has given us the world that he's created and everything in it and so i think that what i like to picture when we're doing things like song period is thinking of like david in the psalms and talking about sing a joyful noise to the lord like we're just we're singing noise like maybe it's not it's not the heavenly the heavenly anthem that you would picture when you think of like complete glory but we're we're just singing our hearts out because we we love what jesus has done for us and we we love everything about it and so it's it's a joyful noise when it comes down to it that reminds me of uh this morning in our church history class our professor told us about when the new hymnal came out in the Wisconsin Synod, that people were upset. The old new hymnal. Yeah, yeah, the old new. Well, yeah. now now the new hymnal is coming yeah. out next year, but the the one the red hymnal which came right back now, in like eighties, mid eighties, I think. Yeah, I, I think it was eighty five, eighty five. Yeah. And the so when this new hymnal came out, people were upset. They're like, mm-hmm. we're singing psalms. Who came up with the idea of singing psalms? <laughs> Give me back and my, my blue hymnal. <laughs> yeah, people were like, who came up with the idea of singing psalms? And my professor, who was on the board, said, um. David, (laughs) (laughs) the idea that was that was an answer on Jeopardy lately. It was (laughs) it was like this biblical book means is translated from a Hebrew word for sung to the harp, and the answer is is was Psalms, and it's like yeah, it's it's a thing that's sung. Yeah, and so yeah, the new the new hymnal that's coming out like next year has a setting for every Mm -hmm. single. Doesn't it look awesome? I haven't seen the. Oh, I, yet. I I watched I watched or oh, uh, the Wells I saw connection. The design I watched the Wells yeah. connection on it, and then I saw I just saw like a bunch of the previews that they had for it. It looks so well designed. Looks so, one of That's my good. favorite professors. Shout out Keith Wessel. I love oh, that man. What a wonderful I man. love that he was my Greek professor at MLC, my philosophy and my patristic writings professor. He's also a great bassist. Yeah, yeah, he's so good at playing bass guitar. His son is in my class. One of my really good friends, and um, Professor Wessel was just a phenomenal human being who taught me so much about theology and Greek, but then on hymnal committee too was just, and like he was super excited. I mean, we missed a lot of class cause he'd, <laughs> he'd have hymnal committee <laughs> meetings, but it's cool. Like seeing since my freshman year at MLC, seeing this all come together, this thing that we've been hearing about whenever we didn't have like Greek or philosophy or whatever. And then now seeing that it's coming to life is so cool. I love it. What do you think? Should you get Melon Hut in the new hymnal? <laughs> <laughs> Melon Hut is a song like none other. Um, it, it 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 is it is, is a song. <laughs> we should probably we should probably tell people what it is so people are. Um. So the the chorus to Melon Hut is I live in a Melon Hut. Ooh ah, Hut Melon Melon Hut. Ooh ah. You can try to get me, but first, wah. You like make a ninja sound. You got to get through my melons. Um, the wah is kind of controversial because the original was you just said punk really loudly. Yeah. Um, oh, jeez. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the the song comes from Isaiah chapter one. I, I'm pretty certain it's verse seven. Um, that is, it, it references that the, uh, a cucumber cucumber hut, um, and the Israelites would would have fields of cucumbers or melons, um, and 
they would build a hut in them because they were watching out for their crops. They didn't want people to come to steal them or destroy them or animals to eat them. And so they would, during the growing season, they would have this hut built out in the fields so that they could have somebody living in it and then uh, guard the, the produce, the crops. And um, then when they... When the growing season was over, they would harvest all of the melons, all of the cucumbers, and then they would leave the field. So then you're you're in your non-growing season, and you're, you have some time to rest and all of that, but you're not worried about the fields or anything. So the hut is just going to become dilapidated. It's it's useless. You're not using it at all. Um, and so the the verse says, uh, Israel, you're like uh, a hut in a field of melons or cucumbers, and um, so it's just talking about how how useless and worn down this hut becomes talking about how when uh when when the when the harvest is good when israel is not worried about anything else they they're like this hut they become dilapidated they don't care about god and they're yeah so it's it's this pretty serious passage of talking about like israel's doom and like how how terrible they are um and then we've turned it into this song about living in a melon hut um and then all of the verses are about different characters in the bible uh and they they often end with like a joke or a pun mm-hmm. um and it's it's such a fun song to sing at camp because there's probably in the realm of 50 to 60 verses, maybe even more. And they're always becoming more. I've actually challenged myself that every song period, it was two summers ago that I would make up a new verse each time we sung it. And I got really close. I got really, really close. Yeah, you just take a character, say say a few lines about them, and then say something funny about it. And that's Like, what's an example of one? Like, Um, One of my favorites would be, my name is Adam, and between each line you say, ooh, ah. So, my name is Adam. Ooh, Ooh, ah. ah. I lived in the garden. Ooh, ah. My wife often asks me, ooh, ah. Oh, shit, I messed it up. Where I'd be without her. Ooh, ooh ah. ah. Back in the garden. Or like, yeah. I, I have, I, like, it was like, my name is Peter. Ooh, ah. ah. I was playing basketball with Jesus. Ooh, ooh ah. ah. He tried three different shots. Ooh, ooh ah. ah. I denied each one. <laughs> like, it's, ooh, it's ah. just like, it, you just gotta, it's just gotta be like it's, clever and a pun. Right? Right? Yes, yeah. the... Yeah, the the one that uh, a friend of ours, Clayton James, came up with oh, this yeah. summer was uh, he was new to this. He was he came to camp to visit last year, uh, so he was like brand new to camp. He heard Melon Hut, uh, and then like by the end of him hearing Melon Hut, he came up with a verse, and it was, "I'm Nicodemus. Ooh, ah, uh, uh, I asked Jesus what I need to do to get to heaven. Ooh, ah, uh, uh, he said I need to be born again." Ooh, Ooh ah. <laughs> but I'm not going back in there. Ooh, <laughs> ah. it, it was it was more yeah. eloquent than that. Yeah. But the it was, like he he came up with it on the spot, and yeah. it was it was hilarious. It was hilarious. And, yeah. um, <laughs> that one was not sung in front of campers. Like we like we all started laughing, and then we told them, like don't say that in front of kids. He's <laughs> like, oh yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah. So, so Mel- Melon Hut is is like camp probably in a nutshell <laughs> like yeah that's just, true we're, we're having fun but we're praising jesus and like it, it, it all comes back to the understanding of like we're praising god mm-hmm. and yeah right so mm-hmm. and you guys do campfires like that every night that the kids are at camp right? oh yeah so you're doing it basically <laughs> five six seven days a week right as a yeah as, as, as the so, leader, leaders at camp you are. yeah so like the wild and crazy campfire could be any like it, it we we a lot of it is like skits and improv 
Um, Jeremiah is one of our one of our strong improv people that we'll be missing this summer because he <laughs> he won't be back yeah. at least as much. He he's, he won't be around as much this summer. Um, we're hoping to get him back as much as we can. But we do a lot of improv and a lot of um, fun, exciting things at Campfire, and that and that's five out of the mm, yeah five out of the six nights of the week. So we start on Sunday night and go through Thursday night for the wild and crazy stuff. Friday night we always do a closing Campfire, which is. T- usually a bit more serious yeah. and it's more of a praise and worship style uh where we pull out some more more worshipful songs um i would say 80 to 90 percent of the songs that we sing at camp are focused around a biblical truth um and the other 10 to 20 percent are just like just plain old ridiculous plain old ridiculous <laughs> like one of the songs I, I we brought to camp this year was um called the bear in the woods in my underwear and it's a, oh, a yeah, song yeah. by ben rector um uh-huh. and his friend i think it's uh, oh I, I forget his name um ben and ben's feature. josh that, yeah that's it josh, uh, um something we'll, I keep, threw we'll my think phone of it over there so we'll yeah. think of it um, but it's, it's just a song about how a, a guy was walking in the woods and, or went swimming in a Creek and a bear ate his underwear and then he was, he's without underwear. Yeah. And like, so that's, that's the other 10 to 20% of just like ridiculous, stupid songs that we sing. And, uh, but it's, it's, it's all fun. And we, we want the goal. The goal of camp is to, to share Jesus in, in this way that doesn't, I don't know. It, it's it's this. It's a way of appreciating Jesus and praising Jesus in a way that just feels so comfortable um, and natural that it it like it's it's again it's changed my life and it's been a really cool thing. And that's the other thing is with when it comes to camp is we're teaching kids how to study scripture, giving them tips. So we have two Bible studies every single day. So there's the morning Bible study, then there's the afternoon Bible study. Mm-hmm. The morning Bible studies with the entire camp with one leader at the front. Then the afternoon Bible study is just with your cabin, maximum yeah. of 10 kids, right? Max yeah. Of 10, yeah. Max of 10 kids, probably, you know, on average about seven kids per cabin. Yep. And then they have an afternoon Bible study with just their cabin where their counselor leads it. And, you know, everything we do is centered around God's word. But it's also, you know, like Eli said, the 80, 90% of the songs we sing are praise songs, fun songs. But then the other 10 to 20% are goofy songs because mm-hmm. not only is Camp Philip about praising Jesus, it's also about like, just let kids be kids, man. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah, for sure. like don't, like, kids are coming to camp. Like we don't have to, of course you don't want to make them more immature and that's not what we do, but it's like, you can ha- like, let, let the third grader be a third grader. Yeah. Don't make the third grader an eighth grader. It's okay to have you know? fun and then turn around and also say like, Praise be to God. Exactly. Let's, and let's sing about ducks and how the world goes around. And and, and that's what that's <laughs> what so I fun. always tell people is when people are like, "What's that Camp Philip magic? What's like that gets kids coming back?" And I'm like, because we don't make kids be older than they have to be. Yeah, we don't force kids to do more than they have to. Like we let that fifth grader have fifth grade fun while still learning tips yeah. of how to study their Bible and learning about the Bible at the same time. That's right. the Camp Philip magic right there. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ as well as good, clean fun yeah. for appropriate age groups. The, the kids come back because of the fun that they have, 100%. Right. And it's it's they create so many memories every single summer. Uh, but the, the truth and the lessons that they learn are are undeniable because we get so so many parents who 
report back to camp or they share with camp how grateful they are of on the drive home they they hear from their kids who they've never heard from before in a sense like this of my my daughter said something along the lines of i i want to be nicer to my brother or sister or they hear the son say that i want to do more around the house and like i i'm not a parent i don't know what that's like firsthand but i can imagine if my parents heard something like that from me when i was in fourth or fifth grade and they hear i want to be nicer to my brother and sister like whoa <laughs> like that's huge um and and so the practical application is there um but also we're doing it under like we're not fooling the kids by any means no. we're, not, we're not brainwashing them they're yeah. coming to this realization of hey i can have a ton of fun and i can praise jesus in what i do right and they they realize that like following the rules can be fun yeah like like that's the thing that's cool about camp is that it's set up to be first of all you grow in your faith but you also you have fun doing it yeah so it's set up where like you don't have you don't have to break the rules to have fun so that's what's super cool about it is 100%. that is that you grow like you have these kids who are 11, 12, 13, 14 years old growing in their faith and not only growing in their faith, they're having the time of their lives. There's kids who, what do they look forward to? They look forward to Christmas, their birthday, and then their weekend, June, July, or August at camp. Like Mm -hmm. that's what they look forward to. And it's so cool seeing that because, you know, you don't, it, it, Camp Phillip is just proof that you don't have to sacrifice fun for a kid to grow spiritually. You don't have to sacrifice you don't have to sacrifice the kid growing in his faith in order for him to have fun. It's so cool. Cause I feel like camp has just mastered this and we've just learned how to have fun while still praising God in every yes. aspect. So the question would be then how do you prepare for that? Because clearly the individuals in charge, which are constantly changing mm-hmm. and shifting, right? Particularly in any given cabin or with any given group of kids, it's fluid. So how do you prepare for that? How do you establish that as adults or as young adults so that that's what the, the reality of the kids experience? So the first week that starts off in late May, early June. Um, well, I mean, there's ropes training, so that's for people who want to be. Well, not like how hot is camp, like, but how do you as individuals mm. prepare oh, yourselves okay. to be that light? <laughs> so C.S. Lewis talks about the idea that like when you're working with young people, you're not necessarily like a lot of people imagine that you're like taming deserts or taming jungles, but the reality is you're irrigating deserts. There's not a lot of spiritual life there mm. and you're trying to irrigate deserts. So how do you as adults prepare yourselves for really intensive you know, spiritual training right. for a bunch of kids that don't really realize they're being intensively spiritually trained? Yeah. Well, first of all, you have to be in your Bible. Like yeah. that, you, you, like that's 100% on you. Like, it doesn't matter how fun you are. If you're not in your Bible, you're not going to teach them anything. So, first of all, you as a counselor, as a salt staff, as a leader, like Eli is uh, at camp, like you have to be in your Bible, first of all. But then you can't settle anywhere, whether it's in your spiritual life or, like, honestly, when it comes to camp, even within your personality. I think one of the things that I learned from camp most was like getting rid of your toxic traits. What is toxic about you? Now, I'm not saying I got rid of everything. I'm going to be honest. Like, what's one of my toxic tricks? I love getting a rise out of people. I love like, I love like, ooh, you know, like that's just me. And sometimes that's fun, but sometimes it's like not. And I like, 
and camp actually helped me grow in that way of like, okay, don't push people too far that like they're annoyed or bugged or what, whatnot. Um, no, I don't still always do it perfect, but camp made me better at that. So not only are you growing in spirituality by reading your Bible, being mm -hmm. in the word, growing in your faith, but you're also teaching yourself good habits. We have improv training where guys and girls are learning how to learning, like even if they're not funny, we ba <laughs> we ba like we basically teach them how yeah. to be fun. We give them we give them pointers. We give them tips. People always say, "Why are the Camp Phillips staff so funny?" Because we literally have an afternoon of improv training where we teach people, "Hey, this is what like these are the keys, and this is how you grow from it." Yeah. So it's not just growing in the word, which is so important. It's the most important mm -hmm. part of your life, but you also grow in your personality. And not that you have to be an extrovert to be on staff at camp. That's not what it's about. But mm -hmm. you do have to be willing to be around people and yep. to grow around people. You, yep. I mean, you you even have probably even more advice. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I'm going to give away one of Matthew Bounds' uh, secrets on a lot of his first interviews. <laughs> so if any future SALT staff listen to this, they're going to have a leg up. Um, sorry to Matthew. Um, <laughs> one of the things that many uh, first-year SALT staffs get in their inter first interview Um is Matthew will do a, a role-playing session with them where he goes through a scenario. Um, if you were a, a college-aged individual who is going to be working at a summer camp with grade school individuals, grade school, middle school individuals, and they come to you with a deep theological question, you're going to hope to have the answer, correct? Like, you, you want to know what to say to them. And so if they come to you and they say, Hey, I'm having this trouble. I'm having X trouble or, or, or Y is a huge point in my life. You, you, you want to know the exact words to say to them. You probably will not know the exact words to say to them because you're a young college aged individual who has not experienced everything in life. You probably haven't experienced exactly what that child has experienced that child might be experiencing difficulties in the home or difficulties with siblings or, or difficulties with their own identity that you have not personally experienced. Um, so when that happens and that child comes to you, you're going to want to know exactly what to say to them. So, so Matthew does this role playing where he, he comes to you with this child as this child who doesn't know where they're going in life. They don't know the, the, the answers to the questions that they have and they come to you and when I went through that, back when I was a first-year SALT staff, I, I bombed it dramatically. Like, I, 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 I'm, uh, for lack of a better term, BSing my way through it and saying everything that I can think to say of, oh, you'll be okay, and you're going to make it through this, and everything is fine. Um, and that's, that's <laughs> not what I need to say. What yeah. I need to say is I'm not sure, and, and we, we need to look to God. And... Sometimes we don't have the answer, and sometimes I don't have the answer. Let let's go to a pastor, or or let's go to somebody else. How can I be be of the best assistance to this young Christian who is facing a, a a turning point in their life? I need to turn to somebody who knows more than I do. And so, a huge point in learning how to become a leader of of what these children need is is figuring out humility and and to figure out like i i am the least qualified person to be able to give <laughs> the answers to to these young christians who need that path forward and so and so understanding that 
area is, is a huge point of it is that role playing is the, the answer to a lot of them is I, I don't know what to say to this person. And if you do know what to say, kudos to you, like you're doing a great job. But the, the a, a big point of it is sometimes you're not going to have every single answer. And I think that that stands true today with many people in our church, many people, many of our companions of sometimes we just don't have the answer. And sometimes we just need to say, Hey, let's, let's turn to God. Let's pray. And let's pray about our uncertainty. Let's pray about what we don't know, what we don't understand. Um, I, I think a lot of it comes back to humility and a lot of it comes back to there. There's a lot of it. That's way bigger than what we know, what we understand, what we can teach. Um, yeah. It, to, to be a leader of youth that we want to guide to the correct point, we, we can't pretend to know more than we do. And the other thing is, too, is that, and Eli knows this from experience. I know this from experience. You can talk to almost any SALT staff. You're going to get kids who, in your same cabin, you're going to have a kid who has both their parents are together. Everything is great. Everything is dandy. They have a great relationship with their parents. They have a great relationship with their siblings. It's all awesome. They're in the word every single day. And then within that same cabin, and they're sleeping on the bunk below this kid I just described, is the kid who lives with their grandparents. Why did their grandparents drop him off? Well, guess what? Dad walked out, and their mom mm-hmm. overdosed on LSD. That's a real like. It's a real thing. You know that like kid like this happens way more often than you think. <laughs> and like you hear about all these kids, you hear about like. And you, and you don't realize this till like Thursday yeah. when they were dropped off on Sunday. Yeah. And, and then you're like, holy, I, I missed so many opportunities yeah. with this kid. Yeah. yeah. And, and you just yeah. realize how, how many of these kids have such such tough upbringing. And you know about this, too. It's just like such tough upbringings. And that's the thing is just being well-rounded and you're not just talking to the kid who has had an easy life who has a strong faith you're talking to the kid who has a lot of questions and the kid who isn't even quite sure about god and the kid who questions god because frankly you know both their parents gave up on them and they're living with grandma and grandpa because those are the only people who love them and that's the thing is i've had multiple types of that with the cabins that i've had in the past and that's the way that it goes and you just gotta love. You gotta love everybody. You can't right. show favoritism, and, and you you gotta you gotta be able to to give God God's word, and to be able to build build them up and love each and every single yeah. one of them the same. Right. People people like Jeremiah and I are we're we're humbled every single week that we counsel because we're confronted with kids who don't have that those parental figures that we were given in our childhood, and mm-hmm. and. God blessed us tremendously. There's no questioning that. And so each week we're we're confronted with kids who have these unique struggles that all of a sudden we're thrown into the deep end and we have to say, hey, God still loves you even though you don't have parents who are around. And God still loves you even though your your parents are drug addicts or or your your one of your parents came out and so now we are the people who are on the front lines of that and there there's when it comes back to your question how do you prepare for that <laughs> ultimately it comes down to just relying on god and his promises and to say i don't know how to answer your specific question but let's go to scripture mm-hmm. and let's say <laughs> let's let's pray like I don't know. It, 
constantly, constantly there's questions that I don't know how to answer. But it, re- it reminds me of, I always remembered first Corinthians where it talks about, but these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest mm-hmm. of these is love. And a lot of people yes, use that, that as is their, the flaw. Like, like it's that's camp. Yes, like, that is and, camp. and it, it, like a lot of people use that as their wedding passage, but they're frankly, there's kids who they get dropped off by their mom and dad, but you know why mom and dad are dropping them off? It's babysitting for a week. They want a week off. They want a week off where they don't have to parent their kid. <laughs> this and, is not speaking against and, any parent that, no, who drops their kid but, off at camp. But, but we hear it often. Yeah. We and, do hear it often. And that's the thing is kids, you know, kids aren't always dumb. Kids know this. Kids know that mom and dad are actually just dropping me off so that they have a week off to go do, you know, God knows what. And <laughs> I'm just here at camp, you know. And, like, you hear about some kids. And and what's tough is when when – you have to give them back to that parent, you know, and the parent comes and picks them up when you're hearing about these struggles and stuff like that. But just they don't feel loved even by their parents. And I know it's it it, it, it like can be shocking, but they don't. They don't feel loved yeah. by their parents because they know they're just getting dropped off for a week of babysitting. So guess what? You're going to do your duty because of what? God commands, you know, these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So what's the most important thing for you to do? You love that kid, and you love that kid to death. You smother them with love because they don't feel loved in every other aspect of their life. So if even if their parents think that this is just babysitting for a week, you're going to make it more than that. You're going to make this kid know that they are loved by you and that they are yeah. loved by their Savior. Awesome. So the big questions that we always have to ask on this show because we are who we are. What uh, if you get Eli? You gotta you gotta take the the brunt of this one. But okay. Jeremiah, you can feel free to feel free to chime in whatever you'd like. Um, if you could go back and talk to your eighteen year old self, what would you tell him? Mm. My eighteen year old self. I have to go back to my eighteen year old self. So I, I I actually turned eighteen while I was on Salt Staff. Uh, my, that was my first summer. Um, a week before I turned eighteen, we were on a salt retreat in a public pool. Um, because that's what we did and we like were we, it was like our weekend off we all went for a retreat as a salt staff uh, we were in a public pool and they called adult swim and one of my good friends said eli aren't you 17 uh and i said yes i am and they said so you should be leaving because it's adult swim so then i got kicked Ooh. out of the the pool when i was 17 so that's <laughs> all right so now i'm back in my my 18 year old mindset great okay um <laughs> finally get to do um, the adult swim yeah it was great uh so bring myself back to when I was 18 years old. Um, I think a big realization that I had throughout when I was 18 was this idea of nobody has any idea what's really going on of, I think that I had this mindset of there, there is an answer. Like when, when am I going to figure this out? And like, when am I going to, to understand, Oh, I need to do these three things to achieve uh, money family and a home <laughs> and then then my life is set uh so i i had that realization while i was 18 so i guess if i could go back and and give myself a head start on those sorts of things and say hey there, there's no exact answer to how you're going to do them that would be that'd be a good head start if i could just just give myself the the leg up on that um That'd be a big thing. Uh, the other thing would be probably on forgiveness and humility. Um, 
those are probably the biggest lessons that I've learned in the past few years of what it means to forgive people and what it means um, to have true humility. I would say that that I have come extremely far in my own understanding of humility. I, I would say that I still have miles to go. I've, I've come an inch and I have a mile to go uh, when it comes to, my, to, to how I understand humility and to what I need to do with my own humility. Um, but if I could go back and tell myself what it means to be humble and what it, what it means to do all of those things that, that again, it's that head start to, to, to going that inch. Um, I, I had a few things happen throughout college where, um, Matthew is actually a big influence in terms of how, in terms of how I worked through those things. Um, but forgiveness was always played a big role. And I think the, one of the biggest reasons that I, I struggled to forgive people uh, was my pride. And I, I thought, this person does something to me, so why would I go and say, oh, that doesn't matter. That's what forgiveness was to me at that time of, that doesn't matter, you have done nothing wrong. That was, a, that was forgiveness in my mind of me saying that none of this has ever happened. Um, so I think if I could go back and, and talk to myself in terms of what forgiveness was and what humility was and is, um, that, would, that would do a lot of good. Um, I struggle to learn lessons from other people. I, I'm, I've been a stubborn person my whole life, and I, <laughs> I, I struggle to, to listen to other people and to, to concede my point and my argument. Um, and again, that goes back to that pride and that humility. Um, and it's funny because after I've learned some of these lessons, I'm, I'm actually going back to the reader. I've, I'm actually reading through mere Christianity right now. And C.S. Lewis oh, says, so mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis so says good. one of the, like the sin of all mankind, like the greatest sin is pride. And it's, it, it applies to all realms of us of our pride gets in the way of so many things. And if we would just approach things as humility, I've heard you talk about like what makes man in the past. And I think ultimately what makes a man is humility. And so if, if, if a man has humility, whatever leadership he achieves is, is what's given to him and not what he demands. It's leadership is never <laughs> commanded. It's what's earned. And, and that is good leadership. So if I could go back and talk to my 18 year old self, I would tell him forgive unconditionally as you have been forgiven. Because, I mean, we, we pray in the Lord's Prayer of forgive my trespasses as I, as I forgive those who sin against me. And how, how often do we fail at that? Like, right. if, if God forgave us, like we forgive other people, uh, <laughs> hang on. Yeah. Hang yeah. on a second. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. We're, we're not getting very far. Um, so, <laughs> like, we, we, we need to begin with the prayer of let us forgive like you forgave us mm-hmm. and yeah that that understanding of prayer that understanding of forgiveness of what it means to set aside our pride and and to forgive somebody unconditionally and and to say i love you so much that no matter what you do to me i will I, i'll return your punch with a kiss i'll return your your gossip and your hate with a full embrace it's 
it's something that I still can't fully comprehend, and it's still something that I I resist daily. But I I wish I wish that I had that. I my eighteen year old self was obsessed with knowledge and wisdom, but I think right now if I have anything that's greater than that it's humility and if i could have humility i would (laughs) oh it's it's a cool thing i feel like you have a great gift for reflection like introspection (laughs) which is hilarious because if you asked me what my favorite song was i would take an hour to answer that (laughs) like (laughs) the one of the big things at camp is we do reflections every single night and so the, the questions are often like what is the most important point in your life? Or like, what's, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? Or what's, what's your favorite music? And I suck at answering those questions because I'm really bad at picking out like specific points or, or whatever in my life. So well, I feel you there, I, especially on the stubborn side of things. I feel that too. Yeah. If you would have asked me like, what's the most important point of your life? It'd be like those three months that I slowly decided I wanted to work with kids. <laughs> like, <laughs> it wasn't like a moment. It was like God pounding me over the head for yeah. 75 days straight saying, this is what <laughs> you're going to do with your life. So yeah, sweet. The last question then, of course, is what does it mean to be a man or what makes a Christian man? Mm-hmm. That's a big question. What you got? Yeah. So I touched on it a little bit, um, and I think that I would reiterate humility. Um, the it's it's biblical of the idea of a man being the head of a household, the the head as God is the head, um, and God in and of Himself just embodies humility. Um, he is never like he. He, he commands respect and and love but at the same time what else would you give him like he he everything about him commands nothing else but respect and love and then when he decides that he's going to put a part of himself onto this earth every part of himself because i mean <laughs> like how how much into the trinity are we going to go but he puts every part of himself into a human form and every part of that human form is the lowest part of society is is just this lowly man and at the same time every single part of it is humility what other example do we have to follow that 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 is what's commanded of us we and i think that every other thing follows from humility um i i i you can look at any great leader throughout history and it any great leader that is revered there is the sense of humility like i think george washington is obviously the first one to come to mind whenever people say he was the first president elected somebody else says yeah but he doesn't he didn't want it It, it's it's that idea of you're you're put into a position of power because people respect you and not because you've told them to respect you but because of the actions that you've taken um, and what you've done to deserve it. But Moses was an extremely reluctant leader, and he he fought tooth and nail to to have somebody else step in front of him. But God said, "No, you're going to be the one who is is leading my people to freedom." Mm-hmm. And and the most respectable leaders throughout history have 
not demanded that respect and that honor, but they've it's been put upon them. So if 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 men everywhere could could set aside this idea of I need to earn my my masculinity and I need to earn this this respect. I think that we can get to to a lot of cool places. Mm-hmm. I think that we can start to understand that we we don't have anything to prove because when we're trying to prove ourselves, we're only proving our shortcomings. We're only proving I I'm I am a sinful man. I I have gross desires that I I would never say and every single one of us has things along those lines and whenever we're putting ourselves forward and we're saying i'm the best person out there if if everything was laid out bare if everybody saw everything as god did <laughs> how how short are we going to fall you know and so when it comes down to it why do we not just to be honest we have that that paul mindset of the worst of sinners and the idea that I I do not deserve to be in the, this place of leadership and everything that I have. The only reason that I'm here is because God has given it to me. The only reason I'm, I'm a husband or the only reason that I am um, a pastor or the only reason that I am a principal or the only reason that I'm a CEO or whatever role God has put to put, put you in. It's, it's because of what God has done. So I think what it means to be a man is it means to make ourselves so little that we're not even a factor. That everything about what we are just reflects so brightly what, what the sun is, what Jesus is what God has done for us and, and the gifts, everything that he's given us. Love it, man. What you got? Basically what it comes down to, everything that I heard Eli say is just, I think of John chapter 12 where a group of Greeks come to Philip and they say, we want to see Jesus. And that's how you got to live your life is as if everyone that you come in contact with is like, we would like to see Jesus. So how do they see Jesus in your life? And that's by loving every single person you come in contact with doesn't matter who they are. doesn't matter where they come from. doesn't matter whether you're friends with them or you just met them. You just got to love people no matter what. And that's what being a man is because I mean, we can all admit Jesus was the ultimate man. He was firm when he had to be firm. He yeah. was gentle when he had to be gentle, but he never for one second ever stopped loving people. And that's what Jesus was all about. Amen. Amen. Love it, fellas. So glad you joined us, man. This was a blast. This was awesome. <laughs> this was awesome. I don't want it to so be good. over. I don't want it to be over, guys. Yeah. It was a blast to have you. Yeah. What a blessing. Thanks for sharing with us. Um, again, just honored to have you on. Thank glad you. Have you here. This was my pleasure. Sweet. Cool. Thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing on our podcast, make sure you're sharing it with friends and family, men in your life who you think need to hear our message. You can find us on social media, on Facebook under the Gird Up Podcast, and there's a Gird Up community as well there where you can interact with other men on the journey toward Christian manhood. 
You can find us on Instagram as girdup underscore like underscore a underscore man. If you'd like to help us bring our message to more men just like you all around the world, you can hit up our Patreon account. Type in www.patreon.com forward slash girdup. And finally, please leave a five-star rating or review on whatever platform you use to listen to our podcast, whether it's iTunes or Spotify. What that does is it helps us get more attention in the podcast world and bring more men to our message. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. Thank you for all the ways you support us and help spread the word. Until next time, go gird up and be the man that God created you to be.